Welcome to Church Jams Now. Welcome to Church Jams Now. For those of y'all that didn't tune in to our last episode, my name is Kylan Savage. I have COVID-19. Woo! So if this is your first episode listening to us, I promise I don't always sound like this. Uh, I'm usually a lot higher pitched and nasally and annoying. So, <laughs> And a little more lively. That's very true. Yeah, I more energy. Very... That's understandable. But it's okay. It's hard to be lively and energetic when you've had like 101 fever for three days. <laughs> yeah, please don't try to be energetic and lively with the 101 degree fever. Yeah, so this is a podcast where former youth group kids and current music nerds do a deep dive, typically on Christian music from the 90s and 2000s. But this time... We're doing something different. And to tell us a little more about that... Oh, first, the guy who just uh, jumped in is our other co-host, TJ Smith. I love to jump in. Yeah. Somebody give me a jump rope. I'll be jumping in all day long. I'm not jumping with you. But... We also have our beautiful producer slash co-host, Josh Olson. Hey, everybody. Hey, Josh. Yo, yo. Hey. You want to tell us about what what we're doing today? Because yeah, we I do. We're it's a little a bit little in the dark. Different. Yeah, and yeah. I'll explain some of my reasoning behind this. I can't wait. Yes, of why I'm making y'all listen to this record and why it's even, why we're talking about a record from 1972, which is... Whoa. Very far removed from the 90s and 2000s. That is, I mean, that even, that's what, like, how many years before the Striper album? Striper was 88? It was 86, so this is 14 86. years before that. 14 years. Which was our previously, our oldest record yeah. to cover. To Hell with the Devil used, used to hold the record for oldest album we covered. We've broken that record now. But yeah, so kind of like the idea that I had was whenever kind of y'all were talking about starting this podcast of covering Christian music we grew up with and everything. I just kind of saw it as like all CCM. And like, that's part of the interesting thing, especially as a musician is you like to get into like, you discover your, like your bands that you like, and then you discover like what artists influenced them. And then you kind of like go back through history. And that's how you end up listening. Like Kylan, you end up listening to Hank Williams and Uh like, that's how you just, keep going back and back and back. Right, right. And so this kind of follows that same kind of thought process. So we're covering Larry Norman um, and his record, Only Visiting This Planet. I always knew him as he's the guy that did the song, Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music? Which I was told as a kid was like, that was basically the first Christian rock song. Because before that, like Christian music didn't rock like they thought rock was of the devil they thought rock was bad right and then he came out with that song like i'm gonna do rock and roll and like i'm gonna write the song why should the devil have all the good music because rock and roll is good music like i just think that that's interesting while we're talking about ccm and obviously like the bands that we listened to growing up and then i'm sure we'll get into like hearing their influences and artists obviously a lot of like outside of the realm of ccm but definitely like artists that grew up in the church probably like had this to listen to, and he definitely opened the door to Striper 14 years later being able to be like a Christian, like hair metal band. Like, without him doing this, I mean, someone else probably would have done it eventually, but he helped pave the way for rock music to enter for to, for Christian rock. That's cool. To be okay. a thing. Sweet. Basically, you're like, you're walking us through a history lesson for why a lot of the bands we like or the bands that were influenced by the bands that were influenced by him exist. 
Yeah, it's definitely going back. Like he's, I don't know. I don't know what we'll end up calling him if he's like kind of the Elvis of Christian music, right. kind of something like that. I just pulled up his Wikipedia page. It said, in 2008, Christian rock historian John J. Thompson wrote, it is certainly no overstatement to say that Larry Norman is to Christian music what John Lennon is to rock and roll or Bob Dylan is to folk music. Wow. There we go, then. That's a better comparison, then. Those yeah. are big words. Uh-huh. He's All the right. Beatles of Christian music. That's All crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which yeah. is fitting, because like I know nothing about this guy, so that just speaks to like how niche christian music is yeah no there's some really cool facts with this record warning this episode part a is going to be a little research heavy but i think that's what validates diving into this record and gives us a lot of proper context i mean i think the thing is too if like tj and i who are like you know listen to a lot of christian music and are huge music nerds like don't even know anything about it like, I think this is going to be just really educational for everybody. Yeah, we got to learn, man. It'll be, yes, very, very educational. I'm here for it. I'm here cool. for let's it. Let's go teach. Well, let's just, let's just dive right into the research. I got a little bit on Larry Norman. He was born in 1947 in Corpus Christi, Texas, but grew up Whoa. in San Jose, California. He was active from 1969 to 2003. He died in 2008 at the age of 60. I don't know, like, really what his setup was for, like, recording i think he just had a lot of like studio guys for recording so i didn't i have people that played on the record but i didn't really find anyone that was like worth mentioning or like didn't know if he was like this was his longtime drummer so right you can really just assume it's larry norman with a bunch of studio like studio guys yes this record only visiting this planet was released what i'm guessing is september 8th of 1972 it's turning 50 years old this year, which is why I wanted to cover it this year, because 50 is a big anniversary. Yes. That's crazy. The thing about the release date is all I can ever find online is 1972. I cannot find the date anywhere. And I've had this problem with like Carmen albums of like the late 80s and early 90s where I can't find the official release date because I guess it's too niche or small for it to have gotten recorded pre-internet. So I couldn't find anything except there's a scan of like the LP insert where he has like a story where he's like talking about stuff and it is dated September 8th. So okay. either he wrote it on September 8th and it came out later after September in the year or or it was like written to be whenever that comes out. Okay, right. interesting. So that is a little caveat there. The label that it came out on is verve which is owned by universal which is the same label that had ella fitzgerald and the velvet underground yeah so he was on a major label which like we talked about was a big deal like on the striper episode this album was recorded in london at associated independent recording which is the studio company founded by george martin Mm. oh wow longtime producer of the beatles and in the album liner notes it says Thanks to George Martin for his personal assistance in organizing this album. What? So he didn't Whoa. produce it, but he right. name drops George Martin and personally <laughs> he had a hand him. in it. Somehow. Yes, his personal assistance. That's oh crazy. my gosh, that's wild. Which this is only two and a half years after Let It Be, the last Beatles album came out, and then three years after Abbey Road, the last George Martin produced Beatles record came out. So mm-hmm. like three mm-hmm. years after Abbey Road comes out, George Martin is personally assisting. And he's recording it at his studio. I mean, that's so wild. that right that's there is crazy. already pretty crazy. Man. This album is the first in his like he has like a trilogy 
uh, like the next two albums. I don't really know what the concept for the trilogy is, but if you're a Larry Norman fan, maybe you do know. So shout out to you out there. The producers are Rod Edwards, John Miller, and Roger Hand, who I didn't really have anything that I could find, like that they were big names or other significant records that they had done. I think they were just producers in the late 60s, early 70s. I couldn't find anything about any charts or whatever, but that doesn't matter because this album has accolades, accolades that no one else has that we've covered, because this was the first Christian rock album inducted into the Library of Congress's National Recording Registry in 2013. So this album is in the Library of Congress. Dang. Other inductees that year were The Joshua Tree by U2, Heart Like a Wheel by Linda Ronstadt, CCR's Fortunate Son, and Jeff Buckley's Hallelujah. Yeah. Dang. Not really big albums. Yeah, I don't know if you guys have heard of those. That's important. And this (laughs) album, which I've literally never heard of. This is insane. Yes. Well, that's so interesting because like i looked at the spotify stats and he only has like seventeen thousand monthly listeners his most popular song has like half a million streams which Hmm. is just so funny that's a recurring theme as we go through like especially once when we get into like older ccm stuff like carmen and like right some striper stuff and other like ccm people of like they didn't make that leap of like people aren't listening to them on stream oh yeah we talked about that on the striper episode of like yeah. that fan base doesn't necessarily like, no. it doesn't always translate into- yeah, yeah it's like obviously people are still like blasting like journey and van halen and like <laughs> obviously like the beatles duh but and he's obviously not that's an unfair comparison but you would think the people that grew up listening to him would probably still be jamming them on Spotify. Maybe there's only 18,000 of them that did and still do or are on Spotify. So I feel like as someone who deals with data analytics, that's always a very interesting thing to me because I'm like, what is that number telling us that either people grew up with this music and then left it alone because that was all they had and it didn't age well or just that fan base hasn't moved up into like streaming services. So I don't know. It's probably a mixture of both, but I always find that very interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. That is crazy. This one has some pretty big songs because I I heard of Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music on it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It also has the most popular song is I Wish We'd All Been Ready, which I believe DC Talk covered. DC Talk covered. Yeah, that's the reason I know that. Exactly. Obviously, like you can see there's the influence right there of like DC Talk was covering one of his songs 30, uh, 20 something years later. Yeah. So like obviously he has influenced Toby Mac and Kevin Max probably multi-generational grew up back. listening yeah. to him yeah. in their house. Like his parents were probably listening to Larry Norman or maybe they were listening to him and their parents were like, you can't be listening to that, that rock music. It's not of God or something. So, but it knows? is. Yeah. When I, when I found that out, I was like, Oh, we have to cover it. Like, that's just so interesting that this is, and I don't know how many other like albums from CCM or like, Christian in quotes records have been inducted into the library yeah. of Congress. But that alone, I was like, that is pretty fascinating. That's amazing. Yep. And then, uh, all songs written by Larry Norman. Um, some track list things that we'll talk about a little bit later is that the original release has 10 songs. So there's like two extra songs on like the Spotify album that I don't think we need to cover. Cause it's like one was like a previous single tacked on called peace pollution revolution. And then there's like a, hard rock version of one of the songs so, but those aren't like proper album cuts so okay just for our listening purposes i feel like we will cool. only be judging it on those 10 songs on the 10 okay right. yeah okay and then i thought it was interesting the song why don't you look into jesus was the original opening track in 1972 but norman claims he wanted 
I've Got to Learn to Live Without You as the opening track. Uh, but they were switched on the 1977 reissue, and this is the order on streaming today. So you're hearing it with the song that Larry Norman wanted to have wanted open the record have. for the okay. first five years didn't for some reason. Sweet. So okay. That was maybe a label decision. Who knows? But yeah, that wraps up all the research, which is a lot of research. So if you stuck with us through this far, I congratulate you and I thank you for indulging me as I go through all this research that I like to do. Dude, I'm getting I'm getting excited. I just started like glancing through his Wikipedia page after you said Library of Congress. And I'm just like I'm super stoked. So can I bring up some of the things that I found really quick? Please. According to documentarian Larry D. Sabantino, Larry Norman was an early influence on the post-punk band U2. Crazy. There you go. So he became friends with U2, and he was a big influence on them. And then he got into like punk music a little later on. That's awesome. As like a 40-year-old. <laughs> I love it. No, in, in the late 70s. Oh, okay. All right. He actually recorded a song with the former Sex Pistols guitarist, Steve Jones. Hmm. Uh, I like this. Here's a quote. Norman stated that while he initially... Dis- He's talking about punk music. Norman stated that while he initially disliked some of the lyrical content, he was generally supportive of it and its youthful energy, which he viewed as preferable to disco. <laughs> That's awesome. But the biggest thing is apparently Larry Norman was a huge, huge, huge influence on Black Francis, the lead singer of the Pixies. No way. Really? Yeah. So Larry Norman was like his idol when he was a teenager. The band's, uh, the Pixies' first demo, the Purple Tape, was originally going to contain a cover of a Larry Norman song. Hmm. Really? That's crazy. A lyric from the song... Watch What You're Doing by Larry Norman. The lyric, Come on, Pilgrim, You Know He Loves You, uh, was actually the title of the Pixies' 1987 EP, Come on, Pilgrim. Wow. And then post-Pixies, Frank Black and the Catholics covered the Larry Norman song, 666. And then apparently, Black Francis and Larry Norman, when Larry Norman died, uh, he was working on an album with Black Francis and Isaac Brock of Modest Mouse. Isaac no Brock? way. Yeah. What? Yeah, dude. Yeah, they were all three of them were working on an album together when he died. Where is that? Honestly, where are I the don't demos? No. Oh man, That'd I know so this crazy. dude seems like cool as hell. Man. Yeah, <laughs> I I gotta admit I was not taking him seriously on any sort of level, but now I kind of am. Like, yeah. I'm kind of I'm kind of stoked about this. Yeah. Okay. Because well, normally we ask like. What do you remember about this record? But right. you guys obviously don't. I I got like down down a rabbit trail like where I was like listening to like one of these one of my bands I listened to, and I think they like mentioned like oh he grew up on Larry Norman, so I was like oh yeah that's that guy that had that song. Why should the devil have all the good music? I was like so I just like looked it up on Spotify. This is like about two years ago, and then I looked it up and I was like oh that was fun, and I was like oh I wonder what some of these other songs on here sound like, and I started listening to them expecting them to be bad, but. They weren't, but this was already, Churchiums now had started, and I was like semi-involved, so then I was like, okay, I need to not listen to this record, because <laughs> I think this would be a good one for us to cover, so my first initial exposure to this record was, honestly, this isn't bad, this is pretty good, we could, this could be a surprise bop, so yeah, that is the only exposure that I've had to this, other than like, yeah, the DC Talk cover and yeah. listening to a couple songs on it two years ago. So, and hoping that w- the time would come for us to cover this, which it finally has. Here we are. So, 
I I was gonna predict a bop before I even read all of this stuff. Like he even he recorded he got so into punk music in the eighties that he released a live recording of a punk version of Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music. Like and he paid for a bunch of punk bands to record their demos and stuff. That's he just awesome. seems like a cool ass dude. Yeah. I've got a I've got a fondness for like weirdo seventies music. Like Harry Nilsson and stuff, which is kinda like yeah. what I equated this to i don't really know i have no idea but yeah i've got no clue what to expect i'm gonna say a bop i'm gonna say if if so so many people were influenced by him like there's got to be something there yeah the library of congress is never wrong <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna quote you on that cool please do entirely out of context it's gonna be yeah. awesome <laughs> sorry here here's a new new clip congress is never wrong <laughs> there it is <laughs> There we go. That could be our next shirt of there Library of Congress is never wrong. Church jams now. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say this album. I've got an aspirational bop for this album, like kind of waiting just ahead in part B. I want yeah. it to bop. I don't know. Nice. Jury's out. Yeah, I mean we have no expectations. Like like we but just don't know. Cool. But I'm excited for that reason. Yeah. Yeah, I, me too. Like I said, it was I expected it to be like kind of laughable and kind of bad, but I was a little I was surprised. I was like this is actually a lot better than I expected. Like this would make a good episode that we aren't maybe just like bashing the whole time. I think obviously we'll have to take a lot into context that one it was 1972, but like in that with this record he was pushing a lot of like limits in the envelope with what was like accepted in that culture. So I think that has a lot going for it. I mean, the fact that like just all the people he seemed to have like met and like George Martin and like, and the, the Pixies were like so influenced by him. Like, I'm just, I'm just so curious. And then he was making an album with Isaac Brock. That's just, that's just wild. I can't believe that Isaac Brock would be anywhere near a guy like this. I know. That is so surprising to me. I kind of love it. Yeah. Uh, I read a couple other things, but I'm going to do a little bit of research too. And I'll bring it up in part B. Excellent. Okay. As the only one here with a little bit of exposure, I think this will be a bop. I think we'll have a good time. There may be some slower moments on it, but I'm thinking we'll overall have a good time going back to 1972 and finding out why should the devil have all the good music? (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll check you all on the other side. Stay tuned. It's time for another episode of Trivial Trivia. This is a segment where I share obscure and trivial information related to the album or artist we're discussing each episode. Earlier in this episode, we mentioned DC Talk covered I Wish We'd All Been Ready. But did you know, Kevin Max from DC Talk released a full cover of this entire record in 2020 titled Revisiting This Planet. His cover of I Wish We'd All Been Ready is a vinyl exclusive, so you can't hear it on streaming, which is a pretty lame move in my opinion. But he did write an original song for the last track called God Part 4. If you don't know, John Lennon wrote the original God in 1970 on his album Plastic Ono oh Band. U2 then responded with God Part 2 on their 1988 album Rattle and Hum. Larry Norman then contributed God Part 3 on his 1991 album Stranded in Babylon. And then in 2020, Kevin Max added to the Pantheon with his response, continuation, what have you, of God Part 4. That does it for this episode of Trivial Trivia. Let's get back to church jams now. Welcome 
to another segment of Pop Culture Connection, the segment of the show where I use my broken brain for good. <laughs> I love the interrogative. For something. For those of y'all that haven't listened before, here's essentially how it works. Uh, my wife and I created a card game called Relevant, which is essentially... A game of personal pop culture connections where we have a bunch of movies and TV shows and actors and celebrities and musicians and stuff. So essentially, I have a huge personal, physical, randomized pool of <laughs> pop culture things. And so this segment is me attempting to take the artist or band that we're covering and I will pull a card from that card list and try to connect through however means i feel necessary essentially it's like six degrees of kevin bacon but with anything this episode we're talking about uh larry norman's only visiting this planet so um the card that i pulled to connect from larry norman to da, 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 the muppet show oh <laughs> yeah guys there's i can already, do it there's I can a do connection it. within what we discuss in part b but there is oh yeah we talked about john wait. denver and then boom Oh, right. That's easy. But okay. That's, that's cheating, though. That is that's cheating. That is like cheating. what we discussed. So I feel like I have to say this. I don't look any of this up online. If you guys think you can do it, let us know in the comments. I'm super curious. But don't look it up on the internet because that's just looking stuff up on the internet. That's no fun. But I'm essentially going to use you guys, Josh and TJ, as fact checkers. And um, we're watching him so right. we know he's not cheating. Right. So I have two ways. I have two ways. Here on the main feed, I'm only going to do one. But if you're a Patreon mm -hmm. subscriber, you're going to hear both which is pretty Ooh. fun. So here is how I can connect Larry Norman to The Muppet Show. So in 2013, Only Visiting This Planet was entered into the National Recording Registry, as was Hallelujah by Jeff Buckley. From there, Jeff Buckley has, it's not the song Hallelujah. Uh, you guys might want to fact check this, but I'm pretty sure Jeff Buckley has a song from that same album. It's not Lover, You Should Have Come Over. It's another song from that album on the Vanilla Sky soundtrack, the Cameron Crowe film. Last Goodbye. Yes, yes. Okay. Jeff Buckley yep. has a song on Vanilla Sky, right? Confirmed. Starring yes. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise is in War of the Worlds, the <laughs> remake by Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg uh -huh. also directed the remake of West Side Story. Yes. Uh, guess who was in West Side Story, the original and the remake? Uh, Miss Rita Moreno, who, Ooh, fun fact, Rita Moreno was the very first guest on the very first episode of <gasps> The Muppet Show. Oh! Nice. I gotta say, you going forward in time to the remake of West Side Story, did you only go back in time? Right. I, was, I, was I know. Like, Why are you going nice this move. way? <laughs> nice move. It wow. all comes down to Rita Moreno. Yeah, so that's it. Thanks for uh, checking this out on Pop Culture Connections. Let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back to Church Jams Now, everybody. Church Jams Now. Oh, there he is. Okay, so a little bit of housekeeping. It's been like a month since we did, or like three weeks since we did part A. Oh, I was thinking you instantaneously got cured of COVID. <laughs> oh, yeah. <right. laughs> okay, that, that makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, that tracks I dream a of little Jeannie. more now. Yeah, right, right. My voice is back. <laughs> TJ, so TJ has been traveling all over, and I was traveling for work and stuff, so we haven't all gotten a chance to get back together. So if we seem a little more energetic than... Perhaps the first part of this episode or any of the last episode, you know, that's that's why. Also, yeah, I don't have COVID, so 
It's because the band's all back together again, baby. <laughs> That's right. I miss talking to y'all like every week. Like, Same. It was strange. It was really weird. I didn't know what to do. We're going to take some time off around Christmas too, right? And so that's going to be weird. It will. Jen was like, oh, wow, you get two weeks off? Thanks. Those are my Christmas Wednesdays. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, all right, cool. She deserves Um, them. That could be an album, Christmas Wednesdays. (laughs) For sure. Sir, I want to buy these Wednesdays. Christmas Wednesdays. Hey, maybe that should be our Christmas episode. We could do that song and we could cover the cheesy Rob Lowe movie based on the song. Perfect. I didn't know there was a movie about it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course Isn't there's a, a movie, movie about it. Oh. Yes, with Rob Lowe. Yeah. I knew it was Rob Lowe. I couldn't remember if it was a Hallmark. That just seems right. Anyway, none of that matters. Everything's made up. <laughs> so, guys, we're going to dive into Larry Norman's 1972 album, Only Visiting This Planet. Do we have any general thoughts before we jump in i had a little bit of context that i was like just thinking about as i was like getting into the record so i was just thinking about like other 70s artists that i listened to on the reg and like ones that this album predate like bruce springsteen and leonard skinner both had their debut albums in 1973 a year after this so this album came out before anyone knew who bruce springsteen was before freebird had ever been put to tape are you kidding me yeah, and then, Whoa. okay, so Billy Joel's first record came out in 1971, but, like, it didn't sell well, and he was, like, really unknown. So Piano Man also did not come out until 1973. So it's like, most of the world didn't know who Billy that Joel was when this record okay, dropped. all three of those I have written in my notes as, oh, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> references. Yeah. So, okay. Mm-hmm. That Perfect. is wild. I remember in part A, I said I was going to do some additional research. Uh, there's a documentary about Larry Norman called Fallen Angel that you can rent on Amazon. Uh, Full disclosure, I did not actually end up renting it. (laughs) I was really excited about it. And I was like gung-ho for it. Oh, yeah, you texted us like right after we recorded part A. You're like, oh, man, I found this. I'm going to watch it. I was so excited. but You were. You know, I have ADD. and Best laid plans of Kylan. That's okay. Uh, maybe that's something we can cover in the future uh, for Patreon or something. Because I am still really stoked to watch it. I just forgot. Yep, it happens. Okay, yeah. I don't. I don't want to give away too much of how I feel about it. So I just want to get into it. So let's start with track number one. I've got to learn to live without you. Kylan, you texted us like right after we recorded part A, you started listening to it and you texted us. So I'm like curious, what were your initial like reactions to like hearing this going in with like zero expectations? This song is rad as hell. I got super excited listening to this song for the rest of the record. Uh, this is like super Elton John vibes, you know, like I wrote that there's some sweet, sweet bass. I'm such a sucker for like this kind of like, there's like a specific bass tone and vibe. Like like it's like a thwumpy bass. Yeah. And that thwumpy is the word that doom, 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 like doing the walk down. It's just like Mm -hmm. so good. I'm just going to go ahead and say it. This has 
the same kind of quintessential like 70s folk rock sound as any of the best 70s albums that you've ever heard. Yes, some high praise. Like everything about it is just kind of like lining up with everything you know about 70s rock. You know? Right, like like to the point where I'm actually genuinely surprised I haven't heard this in like a Snickers commercial or same. something at this point. You know yes. what I mean? Yes. It is part of the zeitgeist. It's just not directly part of it. Right. Well, because I thought this was interesting because this is like not a quote unquote Christian song necessarily. Right. You know what I mean? No, this no. Like, this is a breakup song, man. It's straight up like a torch song. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like uh, Roy Orbison kind of like straight up torch song. Yes. It's it's a it's a lost love ballad and it's amazing. The horn riff is a, is incredible. Yes, the horn and the strings, <laughs> like the, the strings, are oh, the strings are so good. The full like Phil Spector, like yes, like lush seventy strings are just 100%. so good, dude. Yeah, it rules. The thing about it not being like just being like a breakup song, I feel like that was a little strange to me, like compared to like the rest of the record. Like it, at least it threw me off because I was like I was not expecting a breakup song to be the track one on this album right. that I knew has like, uh, I wish we'd all been ready and why should the devil have all the good music? So yeah. I was like, that's odd. So that kind of throws me off a little bit theme wise. But other than that, right. I totally dig the song. I think it was like a marketing. That's movie. what I was about to say. Cause it doesn't feel, it doesn't feel congruous with the rest of the album. Yes. But at a time when, you know, take a drink, there's another SAT word from Thailand. <laughs> <laughs> congress with the rest uh, of the record. Yeah. But like, you know, if if like this feels like something that they were trying to get on the radio. Yes. You know, and if like radio DJs or people in record stores or whatever are only listening to the first track, you know, this is like kind of going back to our point we've made before in other episodes of like almost the kind of like Trojan horse of like Christian music. Yes. Guys, we're not just like all like worship music. Surprise. Gotcha. You're saved now. Like, <laughs> remember, this was not track one when it was originally released. Oh, that's but Larry right. Norman wanted that's it right. to be. So mm-hmm. he was trying to Trojan horse into the radio, right. but that was the record move. label was like, let's not, for some reason. It's a great opening yeah. track. And he was though. on a major label, too, which is yeah. odd. They're like, yeah, why don't you start with strange. that Jesus song You'd instead? You'd think they right. would be the ones pushing for the breakup song, like right. the for Lost sure. Love ballad. But he was smart enough to know that that would be a, a, a sneaky intro song. Mm-hmm. I kind of like it because it's like it's so good. It 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 takes you, I don't know. It introduces you sonically into his oh, sound so well. It opens you up into like the record so well. It's like walking into. But Oz. then lyrically or like thematically, it's like you take a left turn as soon as track two hits, and I kind of like that. Like as a listener, I kind of if if I can respect what the artist is doing, I like when they subvert my expectations. Mm-hmm. So I liked that about this listening experience. So good. It got me so pumped for the rest of this record. We'll see how that pans out. We will. I can't wait. Yeah, it was so good, dude. I've 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 listened to this song a, a bunch since then. Um, and it's a very like I, I, I just wanna before we move on, uh kind of acknowledge that I think it's a very self aware breakup song. Like it right. It he could have been, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of like unrequited love songs out, out there that are like very angry or salty or sassy or something and like i feel like for the most part this one is just he's being a little sad but he's also just like all right i can move on right i've I've got to learn to live without you yeah yeah 
I can be resilient, which I like. Yeah. That's a good message. There's something I picked up on in the song that... Uh, Josh, was there anything you hated about this song based on uh, oh, no, no. specific things, think of things like... you've referenced in other episodes? <laughs> oh, no. He's like, how do I rhyme hey, finally, This is like after the paper room moment. I have a gotcha. Oh no. Uh, oh no. He doesn't rhyme fire and desire. Gotcha uh, with a vengeance. No. No. I don't know. I didn't write down anything. There's it's a like, fade out. You're going to get it me. It fades out. I loved the fade. I'm not mad about fade outs all the time. Okay. Well, no, fuck no, no, me no. then. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just have to learn to oh. live without you, Kyle. Well, yeah. and I think I think the fade out transitions well if you're going to bring it down for the second song. I think a fade out is really right. good because otherwise you're going to be like really high and then drop, which I don't yes. like dropping for a second yeah. track like we've talked about before. That's true. The, the fade out I, I thought worked because this does feel, like I said, it doesn't necessarily fit with the rest of the record but it feels like a 1972 radio single absolutely like i feel like it was mixed specifically for that too so mm-hmm. yes well sweet we want to do track number two let's do let's it let's do it all right the outlaw some say he was an outlaw that he roamed across the land with a band of unschooled ruffians and a few old fishermen no one knew just where he came from or exactly what he'd done. God, I love that guitar. Yeah. My first note is this feels very of the time in the best way possible. It does. I love yes. it. I wrote Agreed. this song is so cheesy, but I'm here for it. Because yeah. for me, that's like part and parcel with this kind of like 70s folk music. That's it. Like, all the lyrics are cheesy, regardless of what, like, the theme is. Exactly. Whether they're telling a story about Jesus or just, like, a made-up spaceman or something. It's, like, all yes. going to be kind of cheesy. So, like, Dude, yeah. I'm so here for it. So yes. just lean I mean, into it. It's, yeah. like, it's easy, it's, it's, it's easy to critique, you know, a song like this that's about Jesus. But, like, if we're being consistent, like you're saying... Any song by Neil Young, by the Beatles, by Dylan, like any of these story song kind of folk artists like are equally cheesy or right. like kind of flowery or prosaic. And he just decided to write his about Jesus. I kind of love it. I think it's cool. This song could have been on like a John Denver record, like 100%. as is, at, completely as is. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because I feel Agreed. like you get a lot of like those old songs that will even have like pretty overt like Christian messages, even if like the artist isn't Christian, like from, I feel like it's from just mainstream woven artists. in. Right, and you're exactly. Just like, yes. It's just, you just accept it. So yeah, I think it totally does fit. So that was the biggest thing I was curious about, uh, how TJ felt about it. Okay, I can weigh in, but it's about the last line. So maybe we should save okay, that for the we'll, end. we'll hold off. Yeah. Uh, okay. Some production stuff. There's a Rhodes piano in there. Right? Oh, like, I love real, it. Real subtle. I love the Rhodes. It's so also, good. That guitar that has the kind of wah thing or whatever is going on. I love that tone. That is amazing. The the those two, the Rhodes and the wah guitar, are like everything for me. But I have one thing about that lead line. I love it. I love the tone. Tell okay, me. but let's listen to it again. Okay, I love it. Except the beginning part of it sounds like the opening to Frosty the Snowman. Frosty the Larry Norman. 
Dunnison I got you, stab man. Got stab man. I got you. <laughs> that the the tone though and the style of of playing reminds me. And I know this is really silly to do, but it reminds me of a a more modern album, Upside Down Mountain from Conor Oberst. The reason I love that album so much is all of the incredible wah guitar, like the lead the lead guitar is all. It's just like wah heavy, and I love that sound. I actually just worked on a song on my album, and I I put some wah plugins all over the guitar on it because I I'm so in love with it. So I was a big fan of that, and even if it sounds like Frosty the Snowman, I'm I'm still here Dang. for it. it it's Brutal. so good. <laughs> I wrote on the first song. I was said that his voice reminded me of Jim Croce, but then yes. whenever this song kicked in, I was like, okay, this is obviously like way more in line with like a Jim Croce kind of song, yeah, the acoustic and, and like Neil Young. And like, like, yeah, yeah. Th- there's like another song on this on this record that is like straight up a Neil Young song. Yeah, to me, I, mm-hmm, I got John Denver. Mm-hmm. So that's funny. We all kind of, no, all but three also of that. us got like, also but that. they all make sense. All he, of our reference and, points make sense. And I feel like what we're saying is that he's actually kind of this versatile 70s rock kingpin. Like, yeah. he's actually really versatile as, as a vocalist, mm-hmm. as an artist. Like, we'll get into it more as we go through the album, but... I don't know. He's got a lot of a lot of t- tools in his belt. I thought uh based on the album art, specifically on this song, his voice does not match. Agreed. What that kind of surprising. voice did you expect him to have? Like who did you know. expect like, him to he, sound like? Honestly, like some of the, the other darkness. songs on this record, he's got that kind of he just like looks like kind of like a bigger like broad-shouldered dude. He's got more like nasal than I expected. Like Yeah, doing the real yeah. like high-pitched kind of falsetto-y kind of thing, but uh, one last thing, th- this was the first song that, well, I, I wrote it for this song, but it, it applies to the whole album. I feel like we've talked a lot about certain albums that we've covered that I wasn't necessarily like super stoked for. I feel like I always recognized like like uh, Fireproof, for instance, like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> that, that there are certain albums where had I listened to this when I was a kid, I would have been so on board but mm-hmm. i just didn't i just missed it for whatever reason right. and this album is completely the opposite it's the opposite that's right i would have hated this yes. if this came up at any point in my childhood i would have been like this is super boring old people music and wouldn't it have colored your sort of assessment of it now even because for of that? sure so i'm like really glad like yeah i feel yes. completely the opposite i'm with you 100 i love that you said that because that was my experience as well it's really cool to come to it as an adult and appreciate everything that's happening here i wanted to say the finger picking line too is also very like beatles like it made me think of blackbird Mm -hmm. like Mm -hmm. oh yeah specifically um and what i was gonna say lyrically because we talked about how it's kind of a cheese fest i actually thought it was a really cool like folk song about a character right like if we're gonna just you know set down the fact that it's like jesus and it's you know Right, kind of Christian thing. If you just take it from like a Joseph Campbell mythological exactly, exactly perspective, yeah, I love it. I thought it was amazing. 
And my favorite line, too, in line with that kind of mythical storytelling perspective is is ultimately what he what he does is he says, like, hey, I'm going to disclaim or like qualify all of these statements that I'm making. Like, here's what people say Jesus was. Every verse is basically a different version of what people thought Jesus was. And then at the end of it, he's like, you know, I this is just my opinion. That's who I believe he is. He says that. And then unfortunately, he kind of ruins it because he has this tasteful, self-aware lyrical vibe. And then he follows that up with, and I think we should get ready because it's time for us to leave. Right. And now, I there's was a just lot like, of that, like, sort of, like, rapture preparedness. I, yes, I was like, like, I was like, this planet, guys. Right. I mean, that's that like, really the last line of the record. I know, so. I know. But I didn't expect <laughs> for it to be so heavy-handed on track two, because instantly after that, he says, I think we should get ready because it's time for us to leave. And I was like, oh, no, he's the captain of the end times train, and it's pulling into the Revelation station. Right. And I just was, like, so good. immediately but off board with you that. You can't write the whole thing off for that, though. That's I, unfair. I but don't. I, I, think, I don't. I think that but it was, was the end that kind of like, I was like, oh. But I, I think specifically in like American Christianity in the seven, like at this time, I think that was yes a, a much more like mainstream Christian concern. 100%. This is know? a critique coming from 2022. Right, right. So I'll qualify that. Like, it's like, oh, buddy. But I, <laughs> I probably would have thought the same thing in the 70s if I was, right. like, you know, so I get it. For but sure. it's just... Uh, I don't know. It was like, I love this song. I love this song. It's like a, a mythic Joseph Campbell folk song a la Dylan. Oh, no. There was that last <laughs> line. <laughs> right. Okay. I think, I mean, you can just sweep that under the rug of being of the time as well, I feel You're like. You're right. Though, That's true. That's and he's not approaching it in a preachy way. Like, not yet. So, not yet. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Cool. Uh, well, are we ready to move on to track three? Very. Let's do it. Why don't you look into Jesus? This guitar intro reminds me of Steeler's Wheels. Oh my god, why can't I Is remember? Steeler their... Wheel or Steeler's Wheel? It's the one Wheel. in Reservoir Dogs, right? Yes, in Re- Stuck in the Middle oh, yeah. with You. Yeah. Ooh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Drinking whiskey from a paper cup is probably my favorite lyric on the record. <laughs> That's a great line. <laughs> That's such a Kylan line. It is. So much. So I, I wrote, honestly, I hate the message of this song. Mm. but i love the vibe mm. oh the song is so good yeah like it it feels really judgy overall it feels really judgy but i love the vibe of the song and that actually kind of describes a lot of the album for me mm. mm-hmm. like i don't necessarily love the messaging but i'm fucking here for the vibe i will say if i can go on a little, a little lyrical defense of this get it, for Josh, sure get the it. song yeah. i think because i think He's not coming at everything as like an extremely judgmental, like, you drinking whiskey? You're going to hell. You better repent. You <laughs> listen to Jesus. You're smoking cigarettes. Because he mentions rock and roll. You think rock and roll will save yourself? Like, he's like, right. so he's obviously mm. a proponent of rock and roll, but he's like, hey, too much of a good thing or too much of something is mm. going to be like leaning on that is not going to save you. I interpret it at least as like a balance. He's not just like saying like, if you're drinking whiskey and you're smoking cigarettes, like you better repent. So, well, yeah. I, I'm gonna put I'm gonna push back on that just a little if that's okay. Go like, for it. I like that I'm not like, the one pushing back. <laughs> this is great. Go, Kylan. Uh, I have a lot of lyrical notes on this record, and and so what I mean about like hate the messaging, love the vibe, is still 
I think he's an incredible lyricist, especially like he gets like his point across. To me, I I interpreted a little more of the like a little holier than thou, specifically on this song. Not 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 necessarily throughout the whole record. It kind of we can can tag team Kyle, and there's some others that I'll talk about. Okay, okay. It just seemed a little bit of like, hey, you're doing all these things, like, you're kind of fucking your life up, you know, don't take my word for it, but why don't you look into Jesus? Mm. It just feels a little, like, not necessarily judgmental, but a little pious. Right. But that being said, I still, like, love this song. It's it's kind (laughs) of incredible. Like... There's sweet, sweet bass. Tons of sweet, sweet bass in the song. I love the fake talk box. Do you guys? Do you guys? Oh, I loved the little. I said the vocal solo. Right. It felt like hilarious and fun. Yeah. (laughs) It felt. It felt like a a Peter Frampton talk box thing but just like someone forgot to turn on the talk box (laughs) right (laughs) but there's also some like goofy lyrics that i'm like on button but like i'm here for like talk about gonorrhea on valentine's day it's like that's such a first verse like yes yes that's so specific but it it elicits such a feeling yes and it's like i get it i get what he's saying even if i don't necessarily like i said agree with the messaging Right. I'm here for it. And then the last minute and a half of the song is just like a freaking shred town. Lin- like Leonard Skinner jam. <laughs> yes. Like it's so good. I'm yeah. like and especially yes, the the sequencing of this whole album is so good. Of like we mm. talked a lot about how some bands like front load a record, mm. uh all this, but this just had like the peaks and valleys that just kept me along for the ride. Like even with all my quote unquote criticisms, I loved this song. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was so it's good. Hard to deny. I love that. Yeah. So at, at track three, I gotta ask Kylan, is there an alternative track list? There's like two songs I would cut. Okay. Okay. But but to what to your point, like it's pretty well curated. I think so. Okay. Um, I, I'll go uh, spoiler alert. I've gone with this album, I've gone back to, you know, I had kind of a trend for a while of loving uh, B sides of records more than the A side, right? And I've got that with this one. Okay, okay. Oh wow! All right, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm looking Sweet. forward to that. Yeah. I'll say I like the track listing, but I have an alternate track list. Ooh, Josh with an alternate track list. I, I can't wait I for do. that. That's Heck awesome. Yes. Well, do we have anything else for? <laughs> why don't you look into Jesus? Yeah. Uh, f- uh. Funny enough, I was the vibe guy on this track. Okay. Because I I saw. What you what you kind of touched on, Kylan, about the lyrical content, um, but I decided to to try to lean into the vibe and and appreciate that. And I was like, okay, is this Ike and Tina Turner's Proud Mary, or is this Clear uh, Creedence Clearwater Revival's Proud Mary? Like, interesting. It's more jammy. It's more like slow and bluesy. But 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 I was like, it's kind of both. Like it's got both right. of those vibes. Um, I thought there was some sweet sweet bass. Obviously, it's not. You know, this is not a Kylan defined sweet sweet bass song, but the especially the outro. There was a lot of cool no. I runs said it. I said it's stuff. got sweet sweet bass for okay, sure. Okay, okay. Like, yeah, yeah and, I definitely mentioned it in my notes. And I thought there was even a little like kind of like a James Brown feel to this song, which was very cool. Got a little like some soul in there. Yeah, yeah. It feels very soulful, which is you know 
little blue-eyed soul, I guess you'd say. Yeah. But yeah, I I like this one a lot too. It's it's undeniable. It's hard to like not like this track. You know, it's just like very. That's true. And it's catchy. so good. Oh, for so sure. Good. The harmonies. It's got the organ that comes. In, I mean, like, okay. The yes, fact that the fact cannot. that between all of us, yes. we've on this song referenced. Uh, I can Tina Turner, Creedence Clearwater <laughs> Revival, and Leonard Skinner. I have a specific Leonard Skinner song that this made me think of mm. as well. Which track? It's a B side to their second album, Second Helping, called "Was I Right or Wrong." Yes. Mm. Oh yes. So Which that good. song starts. It has like a slow part, but then it gets into like a groovy jammy part. And the jammy part, nice. like this one, when I was listening to this song, it would automatically make me think of that yes, one. Yes, so, wow. that's so cool. good. There's definitely some similarities there. Fun fact for CJN listeners that might not be aware, I am a very big Leonard Skinner fan. As am that's I. True. Yeah, dude. So good. Okay, well, we want to move on to track number four? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Okay, Righteous Rocker number one. You can be a righteous rocker on a holy roller. You can be most anything. You can be first thing i have to say uh, over the course of the entire record song titles are awesome all the song titles are so good like I love, uh, I can't think of any specifics, but I love a band that in the middle of a record will put like a something something number, regardless of what the number is, it just makes it feel more epic. Like there's more parts that we're just not privy to. Mm. And I just think, I just think that's so cool. Because it's like, you're, you're uninitiated. Right. right. And it makes you want to like be part of the club. Mm -hmm. Well, and I looked to see, because I, I think that we talked about this was like his first record of like a trilogy. So I'm like, is this going to be a righteous rocker on every right. record? Uh-huh. And I think uh-huh. on one of the subsequent ones, there was like one, but it was like a one minute kind of interlude that was basically the, just kind of this chorus repeated mm. kind of thing. Oh, interesting. So it wasn't like a righteous rocker number two. It was like, more like a right. like a trilogy kind of. Yeah, it was more of that. So mm. I was expecting there to be like a righteous rocker number two. Number three, at least as far as what I could find, there was not. I feel like maybe this was like in response to like Dylan, you know, like naming songs different numbers. Oh, maybe as if it's uh, like rainy day women. What is right, it? right, right? Yeah. Exactly, because he. I feel like he was sort of doing it as a response to like hymns. Like he was like, it was like, well, this is my hymn number, whatever. Oh, and so then it was maybe Larry's response to that. That's a good a point. I like that. To hymns. Overall, I was kind of bored with this song. I think it drags. It does. It's fun. The lyrics are super goofy. Yes. So I wanted to ask you guys first off, like, do we know what go door to door with a death knife means? <laughs> do we have any any idea? Was was there like a mass murderer in the 70s or, or late 60s that maybe he's referencing? TJ, every mass murderer was in the 70s. The 70s were like the <laughs> most dangerous time Ever. So so let's just say he was referencing that. I don't know. Uh, also, also he says, don't be a woman feeler or a dude, baby stealer. Dude, yes. Like, hey, no. so I wanted to take this moment and give a PSA for all of our listeners. Th- yes. Hey, don't be a woman feeler or a baby stealer, <laughs> a baby please. Stealer. From this, the no, CJN crew you to you. Be, but without love, you ain't nothing. 
No, that's the wrong. You message. can be a woman filler, but you have to have love. <laughs> no, and a baby no, stealer, no. But shut it down. <laughs> we are bleeping all of that out. We are cutting all of that out. No, that is the wrong. I'm message. no CJ and representative. Stand by that comment. Right, right. <laughs> These are the views of the individuals being interviewed only. <laughs> We just need that, like, <laughs> disclaimer. Oh, oh my God. God. This yeah, is so good. this is so goofy. Yes. But no, it's I wrote, real boring. I literally wrote half the lyrics are goofy and fun, and the other half are insanely scandalous and jarring. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's what he was going for. I think so. I think he, like, had to do a little bit of both. I did look up. Do y'all know what the Scarlet Pimpernel is? Of course, no, but tell our me. listeners. Okay, I, I didn't know. You okay, Did you know Kylan. previous to this, Kylan? <laughs> yes, of course. You would. Yeah, you... the Scarlet Pimpernel was the first superhero. It's the first superhero, guys. I learned of it yesterday. The first superhero in literature. Be- have you met me? Have you met me? Let's let Josh talk about it. I'm the one that likes that watches Marvel movies still. You don't even know. No, no, no. Them. I'm no, talking about go. like 1800s. The Scarlet Pimpernel <laughs> is, a first, is the first novel in a series of historical fiction by Baroness Orksy. Published in 1905, mm-hmm. written after her stage play of the same title in 1903, read by Stanley as a boy, the Marvel co-creator called the Scarlet Pimpernel, quote, the first character who could be called a superhero, end quote. That's I learned crazy. that yesterday. Yesterday? Wow, yeah, guys, come no on. idea. Okay, Kylan. <laughs> You've probably guys. watched the 1936 movie, too, haven't you? I did, yeah. You get your, like, literary pretension card. Here no, I'm not, I'm not trying to be pretentious. I'm like legitimately just like a nerd, and You're I was just a like, "What?" The funny thing is, like, yeah, I was like way into the Scarlet Pimpernel, like in high school, like middle school and high school. What? That's the most violent like, thing. <laughs> that is. So but I did like, I did like a. For some reason, I did like a. I don't know why. I don't know how it came up because my brain is broken. I did like <laughs> two or three years ago. I did like a wikipedia deep dive on the scholar pimpernel i don't know why i was thinking about it but i was i was like yeah like yeah you could classify the scholar pimpernel as like the first superhero because the whole idea was like the same as like batman or the shadow or something like that he was like this count or duke or someone this like kind of royalty who would then at night wear a mask and be like a vigilante and had like a sword and would like fight crime that's great but did anybody pause to tell him that maybe like the aesthetic of like a scarlet pimple might not be the best. Pimpernel. Pimpernel. Pimple. Yeah, that's what I said. I said pimple. It's a flower. Okay, so when you pop it, it like flowers out. And... No, it's a flower. It's an actual <laughs> flower. We're going to post that. So, guys, have you seen what cashews look like? <laughs> <laughs> Pimpernel poops. Uh, oh, my God. Oh, Pimpernel gosh. poops. <laughs> There's our oh, poop gosh. reference. Uh, take a drink. All right. <laughs> we want to move on to track number five? I wish we were all ready to uh, move to track I number five. I wish we'd okay. all been ready for that Scarlet Pimpernel history lesson. Thank you for sharing that, Josh. <laughs> Thanks for being smarter and more cultured <laughs> no, than the rest I, of us. I, Kylan, I love that you knew that Oh my god! before okay. the rest of us. I was, I, was talking about, I was talking about that with my wife That's today. That's really incredible. Uh, because I... So I pulled my cards for... Um, and you got the Scarlet Pimpernel? No, I didn't. I don't. <laughs> that have should be a card now. <laughs> it should be a card. Irrelevant. Irrelevant. Yes. In the game, but I, I, I pull my cards, and uh, and I was kind of like working through it with my wife, and she's like, "Man, you know, I wish my brain worked like that. That had like useful knowledge." I was like, "Jen, this is the opposite of useful knowledge." <laughs> she's like, "Well, in this context," and I was like, "Oh, you mean the context that I specifically built for myself, in which to like." <laughs> 
relate seem to the useful. Like, yeah, no, I just like I just know a bunch of well, like, random hey, shit that doesn't matter. I don't want to speak for Josh, but I'm really grateful that you work the way that you do. And okay, you. well, here that you. is the whole thing for this podcast. You guys created this podcast that is specifically for my brain to be like, did you know that <laughs> that's very Steve true. Taylor that's very true. made this record and then started this record label that then Chevelle put out a record on? Uh, like, take a drink, Steve Taylor. Yep. Our boy, Steve Taylor. All right, let's move on to track number six. I wish we'd all been ready. Five. Sorry, track five. I wish we'd all been ready. Life was filled with guns and war And everyone got trampled on the floor I wish we'd all been ready You mentioned kind of not really feeling the lyrical content on previous songs. Um, this one to me stands out as very heavy-handed. I'm all for a cautionary tale. I think there's a lot of folk artists, especially of his era, that did those style of songs. But this one feels very intense. One thing that over the course of this record kind of turned me off to Larry Norman is like the high perspective or like the high opinion or overly prideful confidence that he has in this certainty of his belief. Well, this is what I was talking about with like, why don't you look into Jesus? Yeah, exactly. So that one, for me, it was more the title than the song itself. And this one is the title and the song, like the lyrics in the song that feel very heavy handed. And he's kind of projecting, he's like pushing it on other people. But like, whenever he's not doing that, I love everything that he does. Lyrically, like what he does works for me, for the most part. But this, this song's kind of a classic example of, of, how for me personally, when other folk singers do it, it's because they're they're kind of referring to universal concepts or feelings, love, kindness, suffering, and they're not pushing like a religious agenda. And so this one, unfortunately for him, just like has this religious agenda behind it. And for me, it doesn't work because it's like, oh, no, we're on the revelation train again. And that's a little weird. But I like the song, like vibe-wise, you know? If I can get yeah. into vibe brain, I'm like, yeah, I can dig this. The strings are amazing. They're I wrote beautiful. That. I wrote three sentences. <laughs> I like the DC Talk version better. You do? Oh, I do. I said this is way better than the DC Talk version. Oh, I like the DC Talk oh. version better. Those strings are great. This sounds like the worst schoolhouse rock song. <laughs> <laughs> I've been watching a lot of like old, like classic schoolhouse rock. And it's got that kind of vibe of like three is a magic number, but it's like, Mm -hmm. watch out. I wish we'd all been ready for Jesus to come back. Suck it. Like, it's just, there's no time to change your mind. Like, oh my God. But like production wise, it sounds like a schoolhouse rock song. I want to like say something. I don't want to like get into much like debating religion or anything. Yeah, yeah. That's like, I at least want to like give some like context for like what you're saying. I'm not going to say like, he's not saying that. But I think he is approaching it in a way like Jesus has a lot of like cautionary parables where it's like the same thing. So I feel like it's very much in line with that. Like, I don't think he's like shaming you. I think it's just more cautionary in the way that like Jesus would structure and like write and like tell his parables about Mm. that. So, oh, that's that makes sense. Uh, I think like I, I understand like having issue with that idea in general, but I think. 
I'm not saying blame Jesus, but I think his this song <laughs> John, it sounds like it. It sounds like it. Don't but, be a woman feeler unless you have love and blame and, Jesus. And don't blame Jesus. <laughs> I'm not. Wow, saying Josh, that. you got some hot takes this episode. I guess I do, but I'm just saying. I think I think the song is very in line with that. So I don't think it's like him coming off on like a bad tangent of like a belief in Christianity and writing a song. So I like that. That makes sense to me. And to go back to kind of what I was saying before, I feel like at this time, like late sixties, early seventies specifically, and, and lyrically, I think this will come up later in the record, but like there is a bunch of crazy shit going on in the world between like Vietnam and civil rights and like all, Mm -hmm. and like the ERA Mm -hmm. and all of this stuff. And so I feel like the whole rapture thing within Christianity was a lot more at the front of everyone's mind. But like, okay, the problem I have with it personally is like, why do we think we can all just bail? That's that's the thing that bothers me. Oh god, like, a, that's a conversation for a di- that's I, like I realize that's that, like a but, big but, conversation. But it, it, it applies to yeah, this yeah. song no, and no, my understanding of this song, so I had to say it because right. the title of the song is I wish we'd all been ready and it's like, buddy, ready for what? Like we're all here. Let's try to make the most of it. And so that's right. that's the part of it that I'm like, uh, I don't know. Larry Norman's like, obviously a pre-trib rapture guy. Yes. <laughs> yes. And that's what I'm saying. I'm like, ah, I like the vibe. I don't know if I can get on board with the theme. But right. no, but I agree, Josh. I, I appreciate that you're that you're kind of stepping up to bat in that way. And I I think you're right. Like I don't think he's being preachy or or you know, necessarily like coming from like a high horse perspective. It's I think it could be like, a lot worse. Yeah, I think he oh, could totally. he could have taken that perspective. Yeah, but I, at least Completely. I don't feel like yeah. that he did. He could have talked about the people that had gonorrhea on Valentine's Day <laughs> and how they weren't oh, ready. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I you know it it was a fine song. Yeah, it was fine. I wasn't expecting the strings and like the tempo and the crescendo at the end. Yes, because yeah. I'd heard the DC Talk song, which is say super somber and slow the whole mm-hmm. time. So mm-hmm. that picking up, I really enjoyed. Yeah, the outro was amazing. Yes, totally really love that. This actually first appeared on his 1969 debut album, Upon oh. This Rock, but oh, it was yeah. much more like sparse and just like him on a acoustic i think like yeah. the, obviously mm. the production value for this one is way better so mm-hmm. this version is much better and probably the quintessential version at this point yeah i apologize to 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 you two and the listeners for if i've forgotten but who was in charge of like production for this album because the strings are incredible like who was kind of helming things there's like three guys i think they're all like british producers from this day well, george, george I, martin I helped find- right he didn't, had didn't, he didn't I don't think he produced it but he didn't he had but, his but we talked about that in part a of like, in arranging it or that's right and I that's think right. it's some of those like string things I feel like yeah maybe yeah. they're incredible Make a lot of sense they are great whoever's responsible for that good job two thumbs up I do have one final thing about the lyrics but it, it's a funny thing cool there's like a false lead with the rhyme scheme that he changes mm-hmm. in one of the verses because he says like well, one of the verses is like two men walking up a hill, one disappears, and one's left standing still. That's the the established rhyme scheme. Right. Earlier in that verse, Josh is getting choked up. Sorry, because like, I am, I am. this oh, is this so is, beautiful. This is emotional. Stuff. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I get no, it. Because he for it. says with the established rhyme scheme, he says 
a man and wife asleep in bed. She mm-hmm. hears a noise and turns her head, and I'm like, oh, no, he's dead, and he's and gone. Because <laughs> like, bed, you expect really it to be funny. dead, but then that he's like, really he's good. gone. Like, <laughs> that is really good. I was like, oh, the old bait and switch on good me. Good job, That's, man. That is really good. I Mad respect. So Way I couldn't hear that song without being like, what? And then, That is really oh, funny. Okay, he's gone. I didn't even pick up on that. That is super funny. I Thank love you, Josh. It. it looks like, based on Spotify plays, this is the most streamed song is that right i think yeah, that's his yeah of by his a wide margin discography wow. by like two hundred thousand. Wow. which isn't a lot <laughs> right a yeah of- well all, all of them are like the lowest is actually one of my favorite songs only has fifty five thousand, and this is the highest with five hundred forty eight thousand. this might get me banned from spotify or apple but um i feel like it's a bunch of preppers in their basement just like i wish yeah, we'd all been ready i wish we'd all been ready that's like the saddest prepping session of all. T- that's like the saddest prepping montage of Just like because like normally I would imagine like You're listening sitting. to like Slayer or like Cannibal Corpse being like no nope, getting all my ammo together nope, and then it's just like one this. sad guy. It's being this. Like, they're just sitting in like a folding a... chair. And he's just like putting flour in a Ziploc bag. There's <laughs> water barrels just across from him and he's just staring at the batteries. And he's I like, like that. I wish we'd all been ready. Beautiful. Let's move on to track number six. I am the six o'clock news. I'm the six o'clock news. What can I do? All those kids without shoes. What can I do? Military coups. What can I do? I'm just a six o'clock news. This is a great way to open side B. I love like the long huh. plane intro. Um this is my favorite song on the record. Is it? Hands what? Down. Hands down. All right. This is what? This is honestly one of my favorite songs that we've covered. No. Period. <laughs> how? What do you mean how? I'm it's gonna so tell you how. Good. I'm gonna tell you why it shouldn't be. It's no, no. I want Kylan so to tell us first. Good. Yeah, first and he can defend can it. Rebuttal. And then I'm gonna tear it to shreds. You're not gonna tear it to shreds because it's the greatest song on the record. I will. Go for it. One, the intro is rad. That seems like I, I got a lot of between the airplane stuff, like I got a lot and the lyrical content, I got a lot of uh like Doctor Strangelove kind of vibes. <laughs> That's okay. true. All right. That's true. And then musically, one, I can see the Pixies influence. Like I can see this influencing the Pixies more than any and Frank Black more I than any other song yeah. on this record. Yeah. I love Love, love the like vocally, his vocal performance, the whole like Lou Reed kind of Velvet Underground proto punk stuff that's going on. Lyrically, I think the song is rad as hell. Mm. I think it takes a lot of like big ideas and simplifies them. Hashtag for this episode. Hashtag (laughs) rad as hell. Hashtag rad as hell, dude. I would love to see a, a Pixies or a Breeders cover of this song. Ooh, Because yeah. it could fit within their discography. And I feel like it's like, so applicable still today. Right, it still is. That's part of my thing, too, is like, I weirdly like the, I like that it gets a little goofy by doing that ABC, CBS, NB, you know, NBC thing. By yeah, the end. And then you cool. think that, you think that's the end of the song. And then there's like a whole other like airplane okay thing and then it jams and then i'm i'm just like i'm so here for it Kylan, like i'm so okay, here for it okay i'm glad <laughs> i i like that i'm not I'm not trying to like you know demoralize you with this assessment of the song but like i'm just confused because you're the guy who 
anytime there's a song that's over three and a half minutes long, you're like, get rid of it. It's too long. Forget it. Get rid of it. 70s Kylan is all about the jams. For real, Like you gotta, you got to like explain this to me. Like I thought for sure you would be like cutting this down because it's so long. This is the longest track on the album, is it not? It's six minutes long. Yes. But there's something... Like I said, the whole like it's got to be something good, man. Defend like, it when I'm when I'm in the mood specifically. Like I said, I got a lot of proto punk vibes. Okay, like I said, like Velvet Underground, Lou Reed, and I'm on board with all of that. Like I love, and it. I just wanted to live in this world. The production of it was great. I I thought that even though it was really long, you liked all the foley stuff. Yes, I thought it was so cool. I thought the and foley it, stuff was bad. Like it it like, throws oh. you. Oh no, that was the best. I, part. I specifically say I like all the foley sound effects. They okay, put in. He, this is probably the, the my twenty twenty two brain. Like like I am expecting the explosions not to sound like farts, and the explosions sounded like farts. They sounded like well, farts, man. Okay, hey, and do I'm you want to go like, back? Do, do you want to go back to 1971? No. And go out in the field, <laughs> either look through a stock library of tape of you actual. Are, you are splicing tape? these tape reels together too to get this on here. You're Com- not just do you want to go do a that? file and putting it in your doll. You're like no. splicing these tape reels. No. Yeah. So I respect like- it. They did what they could do. <laughs> And I respect it, man. And and I respect your respect for that. Because... Well, go ahead and tear it apart then, because so far you haven't. No, all I'm saying is, what I know about Kylan is he hates long songs. And what I know about Kylan is he's a vibe I hate guy. long, boring songs. And I was here for the vibe. That's the thing. The whole vibe. So you're okay with an explosion sounding like a fart? It doesn't sound like a fart to me. All right. It sounded like a fart to me. So I was like laughing where I should have been like deeply moved by the fact that this I don't think he no he wasn't trying to world deeply country. I don't think he was trying to deeply move you I think he was I think he was trying to like say this is what it's like to be a journalist on the ground in Vietnam and you should be moved by this song and it should take you there and and it, the lyrics did and the and the rest of the song did it was just the foley sounds that I was like and that's a fart that's not a bomb but the thing is like like how if you think about it in the context of what I'm else being completely unfair. I'm being completely what else unfair. musically was going on? Like I mean it's and like I know like, that. like 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 you can't be mad at freaking no. you know like like nineteen fifteen people going to a movie theater and seeing a train coming at the screen and, <laughs> and being like, freaked ah! out. You can't in twenty twenty two be like, guys, that's obviously not a real fucking and train. You're all idiots. And that's it's the like thing, yeah, in nineteen seventy two. Like you're you're being way more fair and like, way more like, understanding. Think about what else was going on music yes. like what other songs totally. were you using like fully work like that completely on top of the lyrics i thought the lyrics were great no i love the lyrics like i said i i was here for the lyrics and i'm taking pictures of of burning houses colored movies of misery it's just like fuck dude that's so good yes and then i like that it fakes you out and then you think it's like the end of like the abc nbc thing is really goofy i think but i'm here for it it works yeah and then it does the whole like outro of like the the stewardess or flight attendant talking about all the safety measures and stuff yeah i don't know i thought it was rad as hell so funny i love that you like that because that part dragged for me a little bit like a little bit and then i was like kylan's gonna hate this so you you surprised me you subverted i loved it it was my favorite song on there like i said one of my favorite songs that we've covered period that i've like discovered that's That's crazy 
I know, I, isn't that wild? My favorite thing in the song was the I so listen, am, I am, I am. And then it like the like, verby delay yeah. thing. Like that was amazing. I love that. So I just want to clarify, like, I'm not trying to rip this song to shreds. I'm just like amazed that you liked it as much as you did. I love the part too. There's one specific part where he says, um, uh, he says, catch my flight back to the mainland, fall asleep as the engines drone. And from just like, like, I don't know, I was taken along for the narrative of this mm-hmm. song. Mm-hmm. But it's really cool because the music, he says, as the engines drone, and then it goes like a whole other measure of like just music and just kind of like one note. And yeah. it was, I thought it was really cool. That like, yeah. that like musically it matches up with the lyrics. I just, Completely. I thought a lot, like just a lot of thought went into how this song was presented. And no, I agreed. thought that was like super cool. Uh, you just surprised me. You surprised me. I get why that's surprising. Yeah. Based on my previous. Yeah, I like it. I like it. I'm nothing if not a wild card, remember? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. And I'm here for it. I was just surprised. Yeah. I loved it. I thought it was great. I thought it was the coolest fucking song. (laughs) (laughs) When I was first listening to this record, I think this was a song that got stuck in my head the most. Oh. On my initial listens of it. And I would say it's probably tied for like between this and Why Don't You Look Into Jesus Hmm. are like the two ones that got stuck in my head the most out of all this record nice interesting but yeah no yeah i'm totally for I it i like that i just i noted that this song is completely socio-political there's no religious commentary or remarks to be found yeah correct. which he has a couple that are close to that on this record or they're the next one i guess mm-hmm. uh mm-hmm. and then another fun thing that i like found and it's not confirmed okay so starflyer 59 who i'm a very big fan of jason martin the singer there he grew up listening to Larry Norman, which is, I think, the route, the bunny rabbit trail I found Larry Norman down originally was like something he mentioned. But he has a record in 2004 called I Am the Portuguese Blues. And I'm like, wait, I am the uh, six o'clock news. news. I am the Portuguese Blues. I'm like, that's got to be a reference. Right. I, I posted it in my little Starflyer group and a couple of people are like, it's not confirmed, but they're he probably sure, he yeah. probably did that on purpose. So I'm like, OK, I would love to know if that is really a reference, that would be great. Very interesting, but I I totally like the song. It was one every time I see like a long, like I saw a six minute track, and I'm like, oh no, this is going to be a slow like slog. It's going to be like, mm, like acoustic, yeah. yeah. And then like this happened, and I was like, oh, all right, I'm here for this. This is great, mm-hmm. right? And I think it's a great way to open side B as well, for sure. So good, great point. Well, I'm sorry we disagree, TJ. No, no. No, we don't disagree. I like this song. I just was no. Surprised. You told me you were going to tear it to shreds. You I told was going to tear, tear it to shreds. No, 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 so no, no, I'm no, waiting. No, I'm no, still no, no, waiting. No. For you what to I tear was going to tear shreds. to shreds was you liking this song, and and you did you did win that battle. I did not. You tear just to wanted shreds him to defend himself. The fact that you right. liked this song. So good job. Well done. Thanks. I but I like it. I'm, it's I'm so good. You. I'm. I'm like I said. The whole thing felt very Doctor. I didn't like the me. explosions that sounded like farts. That's the only part that I didn't like. I get but, it. But in the it 70s, didn't sound like farts to me. So I. Enjoyed but for it. me though, now that you said that, it's going to be like my Frosty the Snowman. Thing. <laughs> yeah. That's like all. I'm, like you basically ruined my. Favorite now song. I need something on this <laughs> record to ruin for y'all. <laughs> I know. On right? a different. <laughs> please, song. Josh. Please, you have to. <laughs> I, I'll think of something. Well, if you want to talk about ruining something let's talk about like ruining a happy mood and good time let's move on to track number seven <laughs> the great american <laughs> novel. oh no i was born and raised an orphan in a land that once was free in a land that poured its love out on 
Guys, 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 guys. What? He, he's doing Dylan. I said Neil Young. No, <laughs> I said no. this is very Bob Dylan. This is Dylan. Okay, all right. Two this Dylans Dylan. against one Young. So because you guys Dylan, win. This is, one young. this is Mr. Yep. Tambourine Man or Rolling Stone or... Ah, oh, I can't remember the other track, but it's it's like three Dylan songs rolled into one. To me, this is anything off of Harvest. Sure. By Neil Young. Yes. Like, even the way his I vocal the performances feels super Neil Young to me. And Neil yes. Young felt was like way more like political than than Dylan. But... Well, depends on the era, but yes. Well, m- more overtly political, I Let's should say. Let's dig into this Bob uh... Dylan by era breakdown, please. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> Let's early, go decade by decade of early, his career. So yeah, so 60s and 70s right. were very you got, political. Yeah, like Greenwich folk. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Anyway, <clears throat> we can't. We can do that. Let's digress. do that for a Patreon. We could do a whole but Dylan. Also, but also, you said John Denver earlier, Kylan, and I think again he's returning to some John Denver too here for like this song reminds me of Jet Plane. A lot. Interesting, interesting. But I also hear the Neil Young, one hundred percent. The Neil Young, even his vocal performance, definitely yeah. his and voice, the, yeah. and the guitar yes. feels super sure. Neil Young, and the lyrical content. Mm-hmm. I loved this song too. Did you really? Oh, I so what a loved misdirect. it. Yeah, I so loved it. Well, I what I meant it. by like ruining a good time is like this song is so intense. It's, it's harsh so in the vibe, it but in a cool way. So intense, but like, I mean, the whole verse. It really hit me when he Which said, one? you kill a black man at midnight just for take, talking to your daughter. Then you make his wife your mistress and you leave her without water. But the line specifically, and the sheet you wear upon your face is mm-hmm. the sheet your children sleep on. Mm-hmm. At great. every meal you say a prayer you don't believe, but still you keep on. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That like hit me hard. But then the weird thing for me was like, then the chorus was like this freaking like fireproof Ben Shapiro and your money (laughs) says in God. Maybe I'm just traumatized because of that album and that one song. When this came on, I was like, why is it two albums in a row that I recommend are both going to (laughs) mention God? Your money says in God we trust. (laughs) I had a little bit of fireproof PTSD as well. But so what was interesting to me was like the weird, I just started thinking about it socially of like where sort of Christianity, American Christianity as a culture was at this point versus now, uh, where you could still be a, you know, pretty hardcore conservative to a certain extent and like speak out against the KKK and politicians and all this stuff. Mm. Uh, but also at the same time be like, it's against the law to pray in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a funny juxtaposition. Right. I thought that was really, really funny. Like I said, even when some of the messaging I wasn't here for, I was here for the vibe. Mm-hmm. And the verses of this song just hit so hard and it's way more social than religious this song. yes for sure so yes, for I, sure. Yes. yeah so i feel like there's way more to like agree with him on than disagree with right even even the title great right. american novel is very like americana it's not i love not all religious. the titles the title of every single song on this record yeah. is so good it just like hit me in the right place. I mean, the fact that he brings up, like, the McCarthy era of, like, the Red Scare, like, are you a communist? You know, like, all the Huac stuff, and, uh-huh. like, yeah, and, and the Korean KKK. and Vietnam War. Right, like, the Cold War beating the Russians to the moon. <laughs> like, like, that was crazy. And yeah. I love the part, too, that's still weirdly, like, relevant up to a certain point, 
the politicians all make speeches while the newsmen all take note Mm -hmm. and they exaggerate the issues as they shove them down our throats. throats yep Yep. Is it really up to them whether this country sinks or floats? But then this line I thought was funny. Well, I wonder who would lead us if none of us would vote. So from all of us here at CJN, please vote. <laughs> <laughs> these these views uh, reflect the uh, opinions of the person and not the collective nope, organization. Nope, I'm making um, an executive decision. Please <laughs> everyone, vote. <laughs> everyone go vote. Somebody, somebody said uh, a comment on Genius, the Genius Lyrics site said something about that this album was in the white house i don't know the factual nature of this comment but somebody said this album was in the white house during the carter administration i could see that and that this particular song was jimmy carter's favorite from the album and i just think that is (laughs) so funny i also wanted to ask y'all the rhyme scheme of the line we beat the russians to the moon but you starved your children to do to do it. it. What right. do we think of that? I don't like it. I don't either. It feels very. I Dylan, said though. I like a lot of the lyrics on this song, but I say, but I gotta take point away for that in the chorus because, yeah, it doesn't work. It feels okay. very Dylan. To go back to Thank y'all's you, Dylan oh, reference, okay, it feels All very right. Dylan. But me. yeah, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Where it's like it doesn't really rhyme, but like it doesn't necessarily matter, right? That's true. In the style okay. of this song, I think you you have a good point. In in the rest of his music, though, it's like he seems to land the rhymes. He doesn't do as much false okay. rhymes. So like that's why this. I think that's why that line in this song stuck out to me is because in the well, context the of the rest too. of his work, yeah, and it so is he the repeats chorus. it. So you would so want to. I wish it. I wish the chorus was like a real a strong, stronger. like flowing statement. Yeah, agreed. If agreed. that had just been like a one random line. Sure, you could give it more of a pass. Totally. But I mean, I think the rest of the song is good enough that I still totally Completely. love it. But I was like, I do have to take points away for that. I'm going to acknowledge it. But I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Because yeah, that was the yeah, one sure. that I was like, I don't know about this one. <laughs> no, I totally agree. I'm on board with you there. Nice. Also, Josh, from a producer standpoint, Yo. I, I feel like this song needed some lush 70s drums. I specifically wrote, I like the bass, but why are there no drums on this? Thank you. It would have like be drums. It would have taken the song to another level, would it not? Yes. Even if they were just like small, just keeping the beat pretty simple. Like, yes, you're gonna have the bass yes. doing all that cool stuff, but yes. no drums. I, like exactly, uh, the rhythm section needed to be locked in together. There needed I to be some drums there. One hundred percent agree. Yeah. About that. Yeah. I yep. think I would have liked the song even more. I liked it, but I think I would have liked it even more if it had some drums, because that would have just kind of build out the groove and giving it some more dynamic range maybe it's a drummer's complaint but no no i'm totally with you on that as well thanks yep and then my one last thing that i have for this that also comes up in the last song which maybe it's a little more applicable there but i have a lot to say on the other song Mm -hmm. um is that this is the first song on the record where he references going to the moon and he says i say you starved your children to do it we beat the russians to the moon I know that in 1973, on Leonard Skinner's debut record in the song Things Going On, they have the line, too many lives they sent across the ocean, too much money they spend upon the moon. So I'm like, this was like a real big deal in the 70s that where was. they're like, people were spending mad. all this money just to go to the moon. Like, well, he says it in another song too, right? He, they brought back a bunch of rocks. It cost $13 yes. billion. Dollars. Must be nice rocks. I hope they were good rocks. Must be nice rocks. <laughs> we'll get to that. But yeah, you're right. Like it's it's apparently a really 
contentious. And this is something, yeah, issue. growing up in the 90s, I was just like, oh, cool, we went to it the moon. It was cool, we went to and, the moon, yeah. yeah. You don't think about like, oh, how much, yeah, okay, interesting that people were like. There was some pushback. Yeah, there was some pushback, mm-hmm. and I mean, rightfully so, to some yes. extent. But he made the moon complaint before Leonard Skinner did, so wow. look at him. Credit to Larry Norman. Yep. Larry Norman, man. Way to go, man. Well, are we ready to move on to the next track? Let's do it. Yes. Track number eight, Pardon Me. Pardon me Kissing you like I'm afraid But I know I'm being played with And you'll leave me when you get the chance I think this track needs to pardon itself for being kind of boring no i love this song too do you what <laughs> i do not like this song <laughs> guys i don't know what happened to who me is this? <laughs> who are you man kylan changed after covid guys no COVID no i didn't him. no no this Let's is the only COVID. album this is the only album from the 70s that we've covered this is like That's we true. need more 70s content is what you're saying? <laughs> okay tell me why like yeah. <laughs> well one i just i love the sequencing of the end of this record right like i said mm. the back half kills for okay. me okay it's three for three so far inside b for you yeah no kidding bro it's gonna be five for five i'm telling okay. you right now Kevin, like straight I, up gonna be I, five for five what i need from you is i need you to weigh in on the falsetto vocal stylings of larry norman because it I love like it Tina for Turner. this song. And it's got like for a weird song. reverb too that also accentuates yes. some of the weird yes. frequencies in yes. there. It's very feminine in a cool Guys, way. I'm here for it. Yes, I'm, I'm here for it. I'm not mad about it. I just like, I just want. I am mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want Kylan to defend it. Like, <laughs> tell me what, tell me what you intrigued. think about it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, first off, the music production. It's so good. Yes. The it's got like a real classic Hollywood mm-hmm. kind of vibe. Yeah, like definitely. like you could hear this on like Chinatown or some other oh, like yeah. if not like a classic like golden age of Hollywood movie Chivago, then even, then like, like yes, like yeah. a 70s throwback to like golden age of Hollywood. Yeah. Sure. And then the the rest of the production like with the horns and stuff, I oh, almost yeah. got like a like a Mahler vibe or like Almost a little Rachmaninoff. Sure. Obviously yeah. less piano, but like if you did like Rachmaninoff for strings, like and horns, like the brass. Yes. Well, which is where I kind of got like the Mahler and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, guys, I am such a nerd. <laughs> I, like, I know I'm here for it though. Like, this I know, is, I know you guys are, but like, I cool. feel like this album more than any other is like letting my like <laughs> your nerd flag my, fly. Yes, <laughs> I'm showing my nerd card. <laughs> Yeah, I loved all the production of it. I thought it was, I thought it was such great a left off. turn with the with that's those why I loved it. Vocals. That's like, why I, I loved it like, because like you had the wow. proto punk of I'm the Six O'clock News. You had the super political Neil Young, Bob Dylan, yes. Great American Novel, and then you kind of like you kind of dip down because you're feeling a lot of feelings from yes. the lyrics that are coming, and then. This one feels like a lot more personal. It's like we took all these big, huge ideas of like, like we said, Vietnam and the Cold War and the space race and civil rights and Mm -hmm. all of this stuff. Mm -hmm. And then it goes back to kind of like the beginning of the record, like, like really personal. I loved the lyrics as well. Like, Mm -hmm. pardon me kissing you like I'm afraid. 
but I feel I'm being played with and you'll leave me when you get the chance. I'm just like, wow. I'm like, that's some straight, like to the heart emo Very stuff vulnerable. that I'm yeah. here for, yeah. man. No, you're, you're not wrong, man. You know, we've talked about this before, like quite a bit. A lot of the songs on the later parts of records, I feel like I would have liked more if they were like further up in the record or whatever, because I'd gotten bored by that point. There's something about this B-side, the way that it's sequenced. Like, I'm here for every left turn. Wow. That's amazing. This is surprising so, me. This I know, is right? I know. Right this is why I was saying, I was texting <laughs> you guys earlier. I was like, I'm so excited to talk about this record. So, so I, yeah, okay. I'm going to go ahead and spoil it to a certain extent. <laughs> We're eight songs in. There's no way this album could flop for you. Is what I'm, <laughs> well, guys, okay. That's what well, I'm okay. So, so, yeah. for, so a little context, I think, for our listeners. Like we said at the very beginning of this part, we took a lot more time off between a part A and part B than mm. we usually do. Mm-hmm. Even without that, I will say of all the records that we've listened to, there is something about this record. Like normally I- I'll listen to a record probably two, maybe three times to like get all my notes and solidify and, you know, figure out how I feel about it. Usually that second or third listen, I'm just like, okay. It's homework at that point. Like, I think I get it. I'm just like, uh, I straight up put this record on like at least once a week the entire time. Like <laughs> wow. I just I just listened to it for fun. Amazing. But this era of music and this kind of music I'm very much about. Like I, I do want to get this on vinyl. Like that that's my wife and I's thing is to like collect vinyl records and stuff and listen to them on weekends. And this, the whole thing, Everything about it is just sort of like that vibe of like what we listen to on weekends. So, mm. so good. I was here for all of it. I was, <laughs> wow, yeah, I was here for all man. of it. I know. That's wild, amazing. right? I love it. Especially the second half, the second half of a record, starting with a six minute song. You're like, who yeah. the hell is this guy? I know. See, do you understand in? why I was like surprised? Right, right, like, right. And the thing like, is, I, I feel like, I mean, obviously I can't say, I feel like I'm doing a relatively okay job at articulating why I love it. No, instead I, of yeah, like, no, it's absolutely. Where normally I'm just the vibe guy where I'm like, it's boring, I'm no, over no. it, I'm done, get it out of here. But no, you're you're defending it very I well. I freaking love this record, dude. Okay, let's move on to track number nine. <laughs> why should the devil have all the good music? Damn. Why should he? I know what's right, I know what's My first note is this song slaps and slaps back. Yes, it does. <laughs> the slap back it does. echo. It does. Everything about it. This song is great too. It's so good. The Norman slaps back. I love the like 50s rock and roll throwback. Yes. It's like perfect, especially at this point in the record. 100%. Especially if you do just look at the second half, like the, the B side as a like an EP, like a record in its own. I could see why this song could come across as cheesy to a lot of people. For sure, but like just in the same way that Elton John's Alligator Rock would seem cheesy. Exactly. You know what I mean? Because we've heard specifically this kind of like rock and roll music. Yeah. Everywhere in our culture for the last like 60, 70 years. But that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with it. Right. And it's kind of like, I don't know, I equated it to like how I'm working on a country album right now. And I'm specifically like intentionally trying to throw back to 
country western music of the 70s and 80s. Right. It's like he was trying to do that with like the rock and roll music of 20 of the years 50s previous. And 60s. Yeah, exactly. And I think that was I'm sure it was probably fun like cuz as a musician it's really fun to do that for genres and stuff like that. But I think it was also maybe more strategic as well oh, because 100%. if he is like kind of fighting this battle of like it's okay to do rock and roll like Christian rock and roll music I think him using this song, like going to the 50s, because like the people that are going to be opposing him and be like, no, we don't have, want Christian rock and roll. They grew up with that Elvis sound. So Thank like, you, Josh. This is going to appeal to them to where yep. they're like, I can't stop, but like tapping my f- my foot right. when the sax solo comes in and yes. like the slapback that that Elvis Sun Studio Memphis sound. Yep. Like, yes, I think that's so intentional that as opposed so to him insightful. doing like a 70s rock sound For of sure. being like. Why should the devil all the good music? Frank Zappa style yes. kind of thing. No, that right. was so, so intelligent. That was insightful so of him good. to do. And it's like right. how old people today love Kenny G. So if you put Kenny G in a song, they'll be like, "This I could get behind this. Right. I, behind this. <laughs> I didn't realize that at first, but because my first note was like, I just wish the drummer, like, I love this song. I just wish the drummer was like, getting after it more because it sounds like he's like playing with like cool rods and I want to hear him yes. smashing and crashing those cymbals. Right. But I'm like, it's a 50s thing and i'm like that's why like okay so the drums i wish they were like loud and really going after it but it's for the purpose of it fitting the 50s for the oh big message the the production style is to match the era yeah that did remind me very briefly the one thing i had a problem with with i am the six o'clock news can we go back to just super quickly the drums reminded me the drummer felt super bored on that song. I feel like he drags just a little bit. I feel like the drummer didn't get it. <laughs> I feel like he didn't get, like I said, the whole proto-punk thing. I don't think he understood. He was like, Of course he didn't, because well, it was 1971. Okay. I'm just like doing this, it I guess. I'm going to figure this out. Didn't feel super into it. That was the only complaint I had with that song. But back to this song. So good. This sax solo is so good. It's so good. Um, also, this song it. reminded me of like the reason I loved Back to the Future. I was going to bring up Back to the Future. <laughs> and Little <laughs> like, Richard. Like Yes, very much. Both very. of those, 100% in the best way. And I loved yeah. it. I was here for it. This felt pretty Billy Joel to me, just in kind of yeah. the same way that Billy Joel did kind of like a throwback kind of thing quite a bit. Oh, yeah, yeah especially on the Like one. For the Longest Time and stuff. Yeah. Even yeah. Like, or yeah. Alligator yes. Rock. Um, right, Alligator Rock is a good one too. With Jerry Lee Lewis, especially on mm-hmm. vibes yeah. on this one. I, there's a lot of lyrics I really love on this. Right. Uh, but for this one, I like, I'm going to paint a picture of you for like, you know, that Drake meme where he's like, like saying no. And then he's like, uh-huh. right, right. You know? yeah, yeah. I have, I have, okay. So the first box <laughs> is Striper singing, rocking for the one Thank that is you. the rock. And <laughs> he says, you. no. And then Larry right, Norman says, right. Jesus is the rock. And he rolled my blues away. And Drake's like, yes. 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 Yeah. Right. That's just like that so, I love that line. It's so much we better. We need that meme. That's got to go on the we'll make so, it. It's we'll make so it. good. <laughs> that is very true. That is I such a good So line. much fun with that lyric. Yeah. That's great. The song was great, and you needed it after the heaviness of the last three songs. Agreed. Okay, I was thinking, why is this buried in the record? This should right. be a side A. Do you like but, it as track nine? But what are you going to replace it with? I have something. No, I do. I love it. I love it because you need it because I'm thinking of it, once again, like narratively. You have three super lyrically intense 
song or two super lyrically intense and one super personal song one very mm-hmm. moody song and then i think you kind of like you need something to like bring it back up because that's the thing i'm always so bored with the back half of records and then we're almost done like we're almost mm-hmm. done with the record and he throws on this just freaking american graffiti soundtrack banger personally i kind of like that i like that he's like holding on to like a trump card he's, he's it shows a level of confidence in his pocket right he's Two? like here we go yeah yeah okay right. i kind of like that i think it's a like you're gonna move. stick with it and then boom you're gonna get this yes, like exactly so good it's so so good. good man it is very cool had y'all were, were y'all familiar with this song before uh vaguely i had heard it yeah i think i'd heard okay. it like okay. when i was a kid but like i had no real recollection of no, it yeah you know i, had I knew it was like a thing critically ever in my life okay i think i'd heard it like one time on the radio when I was a kid, my dad was like, oh, this was the song that started rock and roll for Christian music or whatever. And then that was like the hey, only Josh, time I ever heard Hey, Josh, bless it. your dad for like for helping real. you understand that. Your dad's a real MVP here. That's the reason we're all here right now, talking yes. about this album. It is. <laughs> Guys, it's so good. True. This is my favorite fucking album we've ever covered. <laughs> Let me tell you. I'm sorry to play my hand so early. I'm just like. (laughs) I am so relieved. After the fire fiasco, I I I was like, guys, let's talk about this record from 1972. Right. (laughs) Well, we talked about that in the first part of like, we have no context. And I think this album benefited from that. Like I said. Agreed. Agreed. uh, Where I'm at in like the kind of music that I enjoy. Obviously, I've played my hand. I've like. (laughs) Everyone knows. <laughs> I was counting your thumbs the whole time, and I had done the math. I oh, yeah. It was going to be a bop. Yeah. Right. TJ, how many thumbs are you in? All the we thumbs. Still... All the thumbs. Oh, man. Okay. Well, here we go. Last track, y'all. <laughs> track number 10, Reader's Digest. Hell yes. Keeping the vibe train rolling. This is a pop culture critique bonanza. This is my perfect song because I know it is a every pop culture connection and B. Okay. This, this is the most Bob Dylan song to me. Thank you. Subterranean homesick. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Oh my God. I have in my notes. I will bet my editing duties, Kylan has this in his notes, that it's subterranean homesick blues. Me too! So, boom. Me too! Someone We're else has to edit this episode now. Oh my god, this is like the uh... most synchronous moment in CJN history. <laughs> subterranean homesick blues. It is 100% a riff oh on subterranean homesick god. And I'm 100% here I for it. I love this. Me too! I'm ah. so here for it. I'll just say it. This is my favorite song on the record. Oh, it's so I good. I love it. I've it's listened so to it good. so many it's times. It's incredible. <laughs> All right. So, you know, I'm mostly a vibe guy, but I definitely picked up on the lyrics. So of course you, want to you talk did. About... Let, let's talk about not? some lyrics. Let's talk about some lyrics for a little bit, okay? Uh, honestly. Okay. Can we go blow by blow? You could do the whole song. Can That's what I was going to say. Like, I, I might just like, okay, let me read like the first lyrics and we'll talk about it. Okay. And then I'll read the, I think we can go through this whole song almost line by line. Let's. It's pretty short. Um, let and yeah, this is like the most dense, like, especially for pop culture connections. Brain, Kyle, the like, the Venn diagram of 
why this is the coolest song for the three of us is a circle. Like it is. It's, it's like, true. I'm so glad you guys. I'm are my so best excited. About I'm so this. glad we're best friends. This is so good. Okay. Jack Dan. Alice is a drag queen. Bowie's somewhere in between. Let's start there. Alice Cooper. I'm assuming. Definitely. Uh, oh, 100. You know, bringing in that heavy metal with the eyeliner and stuff. Bowie's somewhere in between. But I just want to say I think that was uncalled for. Like bad form, Larry. For Not sure. Nice. For sure. Well, within the 2022 I'm, lens, I'm like, being yeah, emotive. It's a little fucked up. Like I'm being emotive here, so you can be like the the sort of mental, like intellectual nerd. I'll be the emotive guy. On, no, this on whole this song's read. like pretty judgy, which is really funny to me. But I'm I'm gonna um, be the emotive guy. So like, okay. uncalled. For I had Larry. a lot of fun with how with how judgy this one was. Maybe Not because cool. I was having such a good time finding all the Easter eggs. And stuff. <laughs> of course. I was and like, I, I don't it. care what he's talking about. I don't care about the messaging, but I love the vibe. Okay. Uh, other bands are CJN. looking mean. Me, I'm trying to stay clean. I don't dig the radio. I hate what the charts pick. Rock and roll may not be dead, but it's getting sick. Great line. All over the world, disc jockeys sound the same, and every town I play is like the one where I came, the one from where I came. Yep. That's a good line. That's a, a fun line, line to like hear and like sing. That's like one of yeah. the satisfying ones to like say. Yes. Yeah. Yes. All right, verse two. The Rolling Stones are millionaires, flower children, pallbearers. Mm-hmm. Beatles said, all you need is love, and then they broke up. Great Ouch. line. That's all Ouch. so good. That's so good. But it's no, so mean. Like, I, like, this whole song is so mean. Wrong. He's doing this in George I Martin's love studio, too. Yes, <laughs> like, I know. I love it. Like, I love what? it. I, I love I the freaking balls it, on Larry. But I respect really? it. Yes, oh, there's a difference. There's a difference. I don't love it, but I respect it. I think it's I a great it line. The, well, I think it's more the way that, like, the way that you and I, TJ, specifically relate. Like, I feel like I enjoy, like, cringe comedy more, and more so than you do. Yes, yeah. that's true. That's 100% true. That's I'm here for the train assessment. wreck of it. Yeah, and I it makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> but it's a yeah. great line. I respect speaking, the hell out of it. Speaking of uncomfortable, Jimmy took an overdose. Dude, yes. Janice followed so close. Not cool. Not cool. That's mean shit. That is mean shit. That is tactless. That is not okay. I don't like it, but I respect it. It's not okay. It, I'm here for it. it. I I love it. I absolutely love it. I don't like it, but I respect it. <laughs> the whole music scene and all the bands are pretty comatose. This time last year, people didn't want to hear. They looked at Jesus from afar. This year, he's a superstar. Jesus Christ. Superstar. So good. Amazing reference. Great job. Dear John, okay, so there's like the Dear John letters, right? But uh, that's like a cultural yes, thing at this point, that's a layer. like like romance. Yeah, it works on multiple layers. It does but he he's obviously talking to John Lennon Mr. because Lennon. it says, "Dear John, who's more popular now? I've been listening to some of Paul's records. I think he really is dead." Okay, first, Mike, pause, 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 pause. So Lennon. The the response to Lennon is petty AF, and I will not stand for it. But I respect the line. I respect the line. <laughs> what is he responding to Lennon specifically, TJ? For our listeners who may not know, because Lennon uh, very contentiously said that Jesus Christ will become unpopular and Christianity will fade into the abyss. Because the Beatles are bigger than Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. So so this was a response to that and saying, like, you're you're all 
dissolved now and Jesus is still Okay, and saying I've been listening to some of Paul's records, I think he really is dead is petty as fuck. No, I think that's that my favorite line on petty. this record. The linen it's part so is petty. Good. I love like that. the Beatles breaking up, like him being mean about that. Like, can we all just be friends, please? Why do you have to be so critical? Like be nice. Just it be just nice. It's fun, man. It feels I, very fun. playful to me. It that's seems fine. very tongue in cheek. Like I, I feel like of but it's anyone? like, who are you, Larry Norman, to say that to the Beatles? TJ, I can't understand if this is a bit or you're being serious right now. I'm kind of serious because it's like, know your place. Like, no, like, like, yes, Larry Norman, you are like the godfather of Christian rock. I'm here for that. And I respect that. But like, in context with the greater music scene globally, can you understand that like the Beatles are a phenomenon? I'm not saying I'm the biggest Beatles fan. That's not it. But I'm just saying, can he have some self-awareness but to understand. it seems really tongue in the the entire song seems completely tongue-in-cheek do you think and so? i feel like a hundred percent i need and to I like think that, have a conversation with this guy before i can confidently say that well he's dead so good luck i understand that i'm too just saying soon, i'm not gonna make an soon. assessment for what i think he meant. just like paul <laughs> no i feel like of all people i feel like john lennon would enjoy that line i feel like john lennon would get a kick out of that line you might be right i'm sort of like also, hold. I feel like you're you're defending people that are like some of the biggest celebrities and musicians of all time that are fine. <laughs> I'm 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 a harmony value kind of guy. I want I everybody are. to get along, so that's where I'm coming from. It's not about defending anybody. It's about can we all be nice to each other? I just don't take it seriously. If I think really I think he cheap. has the respect for them. Right. I think he only and says this because from a place I haven't of had respect. a conversation with him personally. I don't know that, and so I don't assume it. You guys are assuming. I'll give it, him the benefit of the doubt. Fine. Well, you're just assuming the opposite. You're assuming that he's intentionally trying to like <laughs> have like a rap diss track for like all these people. Essentially, yes. He inv- did. He invent the rap diss track because he put it out in public. I think he did. That's in- what he invent the diss that, track. That's what we know about this guy. That's that his that is his stance on the Beatles. So that's all I've got to go on. So I'm basing it on that. But we also know, like I said, he in the liner notes personally thanked George Martin. And like recorded at his studio. That's not the Beatles. That's George Martin. Okay, he's the fifth Beatle though. I mean, <laughs> okay. I'm just saying I don't know for sure. That's all I'm saying. I don't know for sure. Well, I loved it. And he's like trashing like Jimi Hendrix and like right. Who like, did he's not, da- he's just not trashing? He's he not trashing him. Jimmy took an overdose. Jimmy Jimi Hendrix died of an overdose, and Janis Joplin died of an overdose very soon after. <laughs> yeah, and to like immediately after that, write a song where you're just like casually kind of like kicking them to the curb, like, "Oh, you guys died. I guess I'll diss you about that." That feels weird. He's not. It doesn't feel like a diss. Maybe he's saying that like losing them is why rock and roll is getting right. He says the whole music scene and all the bands are pretty comatose. Yeah, right. That's how I interpret it. It it seems like that's a. He seems he seems specifically mean to Alice Cooper and David Bowie, which I which I get. Also don't like. Um, (laughs) (laughs) He says the Rolling Stones are millionaires. That's flower children, Paul bears. I mean, that's like I feel like that's a reference to more of like the hippie movement is dead. Right? Like Vietnam sure. killed the hippie movement. Sure. Beatles said all you need is love and then they broke up. That's just like That's funny. That's great. That's, that's so funny. good. But does that like take away from the message that they carried? He's no. not trying to. No. I but feel it feels like you're like conflating a lot of like you're it conflating feels like a lot of like killing the vibe, man. Like I'm not I trying like... to. I'm just saying like that was a good message and he's like critiquing it. That feels weird. No, it, you're way not... overthinking this. You're way no no no, you're way overthinking this. Like 
Like All he's right. not he's not saying that. Are you mad at me for caring about love? <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> that on, is some man. bullshit. That is come a bullshit. On, that is on. a bullshit defense. That is a straw man defense. It's not. Obviously, I care about love. You, you think I, I'm mad at you? You think I'm that kind of <laughs> asshole that's mad at you for caring about no. love? I'm just asking you, like, can you see where I'm coming from? Where I'm like, no, this song feels I can't. A little mean. I, I can't. It is. Well, yes, I agreed with that. It is a little mean, but okay. it seems really okay. tongue in cheek and fun. Okay. That's I mean, I like thing. the song. I like the song. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. I don't believe that. <laughs> I Them- don't believe you love this song. Thematically, or like I had some problems with it. Vibe wise, I really enjoyed it. Okay. So, Paul is dead. <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. No, he's not. I love that line so much. But to our listeners out there who may not understand the historical context of that, would one of y'all like to explain? Yes. Paul is dead is a conspiracy theory. Paul who? Paul McCartney. Was yes. it a motorcycle okay. accident? Let me read the line again. Dear John, who's more popular now? I've been listening to some of Paul's records. I think he really is dead. That is like that is honestly one of the meanest lines that's ever been written. But I'm I love it. Because it doesn't feel serious. It feels too mean to be serious, especially on a record that's like very vulnerable and has like a lot of really personal and really well thought out lyrics. I don't see it as being because it was a publicly understood conspiracy, right? So the the conspiracy is basically in the late uh, in 1966, Paul McCartney got in a motorcycle accident. And the conspiracy is that he died, and they the Beatles replaced him with a lookalike, yes. with a guy. Factually, he was sent to the, he was rushed to the hospital, right? And I think he broke his leg or arm or something. That's true. And then he spent a bunch of time in uh, like Switzerland or Scotland, and so he was like kind of out of the public eye for a while. But uh, yeah, this guy identified as William Campbell. People thought was just like a lookalike. I mean, this was like way before QAnon and stuff. This was, was like replaced. people like finding pictures in like magazines and stuff. And uh, according to Wikipedia, afterwards, people thought that the band left messages in their music and album artwork to communicate the truth. These include the the 1968 song Glass Onion, in which Lennon sings, Here's another clue for you all. The walrus was Paul. And the cover photo of their album Abbey Abbey Road, in which McCartney is shown barefoot and walking out of step with his bandmates. So yeah, this is like one of the longest running like conspiracy theories. Come together over me. Right oh, now right. was about them visiting him at his grave, right? Well, and even like their dress in Abbey Road is like Ringo is dressed like a preacher, isn't he? Right. And then John mm-hmm. is like Jesus, like leading mm-hmm. Paul in, and then George is following up dressed as like an undertaker. Yes, right. after Paul's walking with no shoes because you don't get buried with your right. shoes on. Right, it's so, like that's all part of the, the conspiracy. conspiracy. My favorite part about the conspiracy is that in 1993, Paul McCartney released a a live album called Paul is Live. <laughs> Which is like yes. the best reaction to that win for the past like you know 40 years you've you've been alive making music and in the public eye and there's Writing still a conspiracy themes theory <laughs> that you're dead and it's specifically just called the Paul is dead theory. So I just think I think the fact that he has a sense of humor about that is lovely. I don't know. I loved this song. I thought it was really fun. Yes. Because uh, he even talked about, it's 1973. I wonder who we're going to see. Who's in power now? Think I'll turn on my TV. The man on the news said China's going to beat us. We shot all our dreamers. Now there's no one left to lead us. I mean, that was definitely like a MLK. JFK and RFK. And MLK. And MLK, yeah. 
And the line we referenced earlier, they brought back a big bag of rocks, only cost $13 billion. must be nice rocks. Like, that's I love that line. Funny. That feels like so catty and bitchy. Like, must be nice rocks. I guess like for some reason that one line doesn't bother me because it's like he's mad at the system. He's not mad at a person. I think that's 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 he what doesn't it comes seem down mad to for me. at anybody though. Uh, In the rest, of I it. think he's judging some some stuff, <laughs> and like for some reason that one for me it's like he's mad at the system. He's not mad at a person. I think that's just to go back to like our conversation previously. It's like I was mad because he seems mad at people. But in this case, it's like he's mad at the system. For some reason, that gets a pass for me. I don't know. Because it's not a person. So I'm like, all right, cool. Be mad at the system. Well, I mean, the whole the end of the song, I feel like, is sort of like the thesis of it, where it doesn't mm-hmm. seem like a specific thing. You just What a mess the world is in. I wonder who began it. Don't ask me. I'm only visiting this planet. I, I love it's that It's rare, it's rare that an album title is the final lyric of the final song. Yeah, yeah it's really a good way to like... Strong punch it in there yeah because you're kind of wondering throughout this whole record of like like what does that mean where's that and then this song is like he lands the plane kind of explains it so josh what do you have musically uh i was gonna say i love the little halftime groove part they go into it like a minute 27 Mm -hmm. song's pretty fast but then it just drops into that like just jams there's just so many jams on this record dude so good and I like oh, that they yeah. left space for that in this in the song that is so lyrical, like lyric heavy and like message and vocal like delivery heavy that they're like, we're going to jam in the middle for a little bit of this. Like yep. just cemented to me why it's my favorite song. I loved it's it. So good. I had so much fun it's with so it. It's so good. Lyrically, he says it's 1973. And we talked about that. I had a hard time figuring out when this album actually came out and i'm like well did it is it 1973 i have no idea the right. mystery the release date mystery continues <laughs> everything but. i can find says 72 but everything like, I don't... and i think yeah i think the copyright on like that i could see on the sleeve says 72 so right i don't know maybe he's just planning for the future planning yeah he's only visiting this planet he doesn't know yeah. years <laughs> well he had to rhyme who we're gonna see so we had right to see exactly three, i guess yeah sure i get that it's like how like you know, I went to kindergarten a year early than everybody else. So I graduated high school at 17. I just always told people I was a year older than I was because it was just easier. Liar. <laughs> like, how old are you? I'm 15. Really, I was 14. Obviously, that's how math works. Um, <laughs> guys, we did it. We, we did it. did it. This is one of my favorite records. Like, <laughs> it was so good. Kind of, is it a flop or a bop for you? <laughs> <laughs> it is a certified bop. Man, everything about it, especially, like I said, the second half of this record, every song on the second half of this record is a certified bop. I will probably Mm -hmm. honestly listen to more of the second half than the first half. There's some great tracks in the second half. It's so good, including Reader's Digest, which is one of the greatest songs. (laughs) (laughs) I like. Okay, look, I like that song. I, I, I respect it. I appreciate it. I just want to have a beer with him and be like, hey, man, when you said this, were you being tongue in cheek or were you being serious? And if so, let's talk about that. Maybe someday in the great beyond, Larry Norman and I will sit down and have a beer and we'll talk about it. Or maybe you can just tweet Frank Black and ask yeah. what he thought Larry Norman was like. Yeah, Gazina or Isaac Brock. Gazinos. Yeah, or Isaac Brock. Yeah, let's let's all talk to Isaac Brock. You know let's what? get him on the podcast. I would love Isaac's Bro- Isaac Brock's take. 
on Larry Norman. That would Isaac, be you're welcome on the podcast anytime. Please. Anytime. We know he's Let a big know. listener, so please. yes. We he's been waiting for us to invite him, honestly. <laughs> I guess we can talk about Modest Mouse while we're at anyway, it. Anyway, look. I, I'm just trying to say, even though I got some problems with some of the lyrical nuances of this album, it is a certified, fresh, 100% bop for me. All That's right. all I'm trying to all say right. about this album. All right. I can have some problems with it lyrically for and sure. still yeah, bop yeah. it. And that's what I love about this. DJ, album. I just, I just want to clarify. I'm not like I'm not uh, upset with you for having problems with the lyrics. I can see no, where the, I can see where those problems come from. I'm a little feely. Literally, boy. the All first right. lyric is "Alice is a drag queen." Like right. I get it. I'm like, like it can. Mm, okay. But I'm glad this is a bop for you because, 100%. like I said, I've just put this record on for fun multiple times in the past month. It's incredible. Like I think. Larry Norman is a secret Laurel Canyon hero. Like mm-hmm. the Mamas and the Papas, Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young, The Birds, Jackson Brown, The Doors, Buffalo Springfield, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, eat your heart out, everybody. Like you're all doing your thing, you're great. But Larry Norman, where was he? Like who? Right. Why didn't nobody turn me on to him? Josh, right. thank exactly. you. Thank yeah, you. for sure. Yes. Thank Huge you, thank you, Josh. Which is put myself out there, but I'm glad it you came through. I know you really did, man. I'm this so proves grateful. why you're the beautiful producer. Truly, like, truly. Because yeah, I had you know we talked about that in the first part. Like TJ and I, you know, we like to describe ourselves as like music nerds. Like we know quite a bit about sure. music. Yeah, had zero context for yeah. this, and now I'm at the point where like Josh, I was texting you earlier where I was like. Hey, do we need to do a Church Jams Now spinoff podcast where I do like a an eight episode serial like investigative podcast on Larry Norman just because <laughs> I want to live in the world of Larry Norman more? <laughs> Please do that. I love so, it. Josh, so as the guy that introduced this record to us, yeah. uh, where where are you at? Where do you land? First, man? I gotta say, I'm just so relieved and excited that this record went over so well with y'all i was i know you still have ptsd from fireproof i do a little bit i do and i was like and i i'd only listened to a, a few songs from this record so i'm like what i know about this record like the three four songs i heard i liked the rest of it could be garbage so bad yeah i have no idea so we're well, all listened kind to a lot of going in blind mm. on this yeah. podcast i've really enjoyed the ride that of y'all just like enjoying it and talking about it and getting excited so that has been wonderful. I had my headphones in last night, and I mentioned to Allie, I was listening to this record, and I said, man, there's no way Kylan and TJ don't pop this record. <laughs> it is a certifiable pop. Love the sound. Love the production. I think the songs are still compelling today. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think everything, for me personally, I think everything holds up really well. For sure. And I... I loved it. I am so glad that it went over so well and that we all had a good time listening to it. Oh, yeah. It's so good. Man, such a great record. This was yeah. a wild ride. It was. I yes. do have an alternate track list. Oh, I yeah. Like, I want to I hear your yeah. alternate track list. Give us that okay. alternate track list. Because I, I made the alternate track list, and then I listened to the album again last night, and I was like, okay, I do enjoy this track list. So I don't. it's not mm. like a huge improvement or whatever. Right, yeah. But I have, it's nine songs. Still comes in at 36 minutes, 20 seconds. Okay. Okay. Track one, I've got to learn to live without you. Great Sweet. opener, and super good. Larry opener. wanted that as the opener, so I'm going to honor his bum, bum, original bum, wish for bum. that. Right. Two, we're going to drop right into "Why Don't You Look Into Jesus." Okay. Get this party train okay. rolling. Yeah, cool. But then it comes that down. You have that nice jam fade out to go into the outlaw, which I like. Oh, okay, so, so you switch them. Yeah, two and three. I, yeah, I, I like switched that. them there. Okay. Then I have 
I have Why Should the Devil Have All the Good Music next. And I'm like, oh, that's got to be a song. Oh, yeah. yeah. Pull that on yeah, side yeah. A, sure. you know? Okay. Yeah. And then I can't separate the two. You got to follow it up with Reader's Digest to fall, to close mm. out side A. Mm. Wow. So that's your first five mm-hmm. tracks. Okay. Mm-hmm. Then track six, open up side B, I Am Six O'Clock News, mm-hmm. Great American Novel. Mm. Then we bring it down a little bit for I Wish We'd All Been Ready. Mm. But then I love how the crescendo brings it all back up again to close the record with Righteous Rocker, but the hard rock version. The hard rock version that is on Spotify. Okay. Yes. I love the hard rock version. It's got (laughs) this great bass groove. Nice. It doesn't drag. I think when I first heard Righteous Rocker, I was like, oh, I'm really liking this. And then I heard the hard rock version, which is like higher tempo higher energy right and i then listening to the the other one then i was like oh this doesn't have the same kind of liveliness to it so i think it maybe tarnished it a little bit for me but i really liked the hard rock version sweet so you would cut pardon me I would cut part in me. Oh, yes. Wow, you can. You can. <sighs> I, I get it. I get it. I I get it. I will have I have a newfound respect that you like it so much that that I think that will help me more. Well, but. if you do it, you got to listen to it. like honestly, I just recommend like I recommend listening to I'm the Six O'Clock News, Great American Novel, Pardon Me, like back to back to back, like the one two three punch of that. Kind of literally punched his microphone. Literally, I punched his <laughs> microphone. Uh, yeah, the one, two, three punch of that just like really just like hit me. So, all right, what, all Josh, right. where okay. was where was why don't you looking at Jesus? Number two, number two. Oh, he switched right. two and three. He uh, switched two right. and three. That's right. That's right. That's okay. a good. Uh, yeah, I like that. List. I like mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Well, guys, we've been going for a very, very, very long time. This <laughs> is going to be. I didn't expect this to be that long. A super long episode about an album that nobody has heard of, but, but they I will, will now. Say, I highly, highly, highly recommend just giving this album a listen, man. Honestly, if there's like a nice sunny afternoon where you open all the windows and it's like a Sunday afternoon, you're cleaning your house. They you're have drinking to clean a few, their house. You're drinking a few beers. No, I'm just saying like it's a nice <laughs> context. Drinking whiskey so like, from a paper cup. Right. You got gonorrhea on Valentine's Day. Uh, no. Uh, you bring just back like, some rocks that are just, $13 billion. Just like put this on and like jam to it. It's a really good jam record. It is. Uh, it really is. I really love it. So I think that's going to be it for this episode. Guys, follow us on social media, on Twitter and Instagram at Church Jams Now. Uh, search us on Facebook, Church Jams Now Podcast. And we do have a Patreon. If you like this kind of stuff, we do get a little more in-depth and have some bonus episodes. Uh, you get episodes a week early, starting just at $2. That's patreon.com slash church gyms now podcast. I think that's going to be it from all of us here at the CJN crew. Uh, I would like to say, may all your favorite bands stay together. Peace out, Monfrayers. We are only visiting this planet. Beep, boop, boop.